0: Listeners, it's time for episode 128 of the Slump Buster Podcast. I'm your host, Juju Talk Sports, joined of course by Kyle Ledbetter. On today's episode, we talk the latest kerfuffle with Antonio Brown and the Buccaneers. We talk Jim Harbaugh and the NFL. We talk Trey Lance. We talk Russell Wilson. We talk NFL Week 18. But before we get into the episode, folks, I need you to smash that like button. I need you to leave a five-star review. I need you to hit that subscribe button as we push towards 2,000 subscribers on YouTube. And most importantly, folks, I need you to sit down, bust the slump, and enjoy the episode. on this first recording of the new year, 2022. How are you doing, my friend?
1: I'm doing fantastic here today. It's is—it's technically our first Slump Buster podcast of the year, but of course we have wonderful videos out, like our reaction videos to the college football playoff and preview of the national championship, of course, here in this fine 2022. Uh, Not that I'm a total shill, but I'm proud of myself for being able to weave in all the wonderful content on the Slump Buster podcast that we can promote and the Slump Buster YouTube channel, of course. Um, We're doing quite fine here on this first 2022 week.
0: I I don't mind you being a shill shill away shill till the cows come home home, or at least the viewers come home we had a great guest too you mentioned it on our recording of the national championship preview we had Josh Clacker of the CTS Sports Network Bama Brigade he's got a couple shows definitely check him out a lot of great content he has and we have a great show with him too we had to get the Bama take on this one because obviously we just saw that game four weeks ago you and I for the most part a little bit taked out I mean you know we, we saw this game like how much more and that analysis can we have in a four-week time span?
1: In fairness, there's not much more analysis we can do, but it's still the game I want to see. Like, I, I really wanted Alabama and Georgia in the championship, and that was the game I was clamoring for. College football's in a weird place now, but all of the fun storylines around the actual game itself, because this is the thing I think about with college football is that they've put their eggs in the basket of the college football playoff, and it's kind of worn people out a little bit, but you have that Rose Bowl that, by the way, did higher ratings than the Alabama Cincinnati playoff game for people who are listening at home. It was about 16.7 for the Rose Bowl and 16.3 million for the college football semifinal game. You had that crazy game that was awesome. You have Caleb Williams transferring, Jim Harbaugh might be trying to make his exit from Michigan, which I find supremely fascinating. And college football has this championship game that I think is going to be fun, but it's going to be really hard for us to talk about it. And we're probably not going to talk about it here because we've already done all the analysis possible on other versions of the slump buster youtube
0: you actually did mention something there though did spark my interest we didn't talk about this in our pregame talk here but jim harbaugh him talking about a return to the nfl i know we kind of had a little bit of a disagreement in the slump buster group chat this week about a potential landing spot for him so let's get into it jim harbaugh has been linked with the las vegas raiders not an official thing just kind of some speculation more than anything kind of in the same way that his name came up for the detroit lions head coaching job last year. But this year, he has a little bit more steam behind it. He has a little bit more gravitas behind that Harbaugh brand. He has a little bit more to bring to the table, given that he did just bring Michigan to its first ever college football playoff and its first chance at really getting a national title in 20, 30 years at this point, even though, of course, Georgia decided to just smack them in the semifinals there. But still, nonetheless, I think this would be a great landing spot. And I think this would be a great hiring for the Las Vegas Raiders. But you disagree.
1: I disagree on both fronts here, and I'm going to talk about this more in depth on Take It Easy. The SparkNotes version of this is basically this, is that from the Jim Harbaugh side, let's think about what Jim Harbaugh would be giving up to leave this job. Jim Harbaugh feels like he's in this place right now where he can have one of these Chris Peterson, Mike Gundy, Mark D'Antonio type of jobs for the next decade. Jim Harbaugh's in his 50s now. As a head coach, he probably has 10, 15 years left as a head coach coach. Maybe he decides to retire early like a Bob Stoops or Chris Peterson at Washington who retired at 57. But Jim Harbaugh is kind of in this place where Michigan is not one of the 10 to 12 premier programs in college football, but they're in this next group where they're willing to invest in the football program to build a stable winning program. It's not going to be nationally great. It's not going to be one of the 10 to 12 programs that I would argue those jobs are better than an NFL head coaching job. Alabama with the power and resources you can invest, Georgia, the University of Florida on a good year, Um, the University of Texas, when they turn things around, they have more money to invest in those programs. Uh, you, You could throw Ohio State in the mix. Some people would argue Clemson. Clemson's probably in their Oklahoma, USC, et cetera, like jobs that you view as well as NFL jobs. Michigan is not one of those jobs, but it's still a pretty good job to have. And if you're going to leave that behind of you can be 10 to 15 years the coach at Michigan, transition into a role where you're this beloved figure at the university and still have a say in decision making with the program, it's hard to turn that down. It's not a it's not the national level of success. We don't think of Mark D'Antonio as is one of the all-time great coaches in college football, but it's hard to turn that down. So would he turn that down for the Raiders? because Jim Harbaugh undoubtedly has had a lot of success based on some really, really lucky situations. When Jim Harbaugh got to Stanford, Stanford didn't have success for 30 years in football. And the reason they had the success they did is because one of the greatest quarterbacks of the last 10 years happened to decide to go to Stanford and play for Jim Harbaugh, that being, of course, Andrew Luck. And they had three really great years with Andrew Luck. And then Jim Harbaugh went to the NFL and inherited a really, really great situation with the san francisco 49ers and built it in such a way that they could make three conference championships in four years with a foundation of guys like patrick willis and frank gore and alex smith which then transitioned into colin kaepernick and being that stable foundation and you could throw joe staley in the mix and other guys on the defense so let me
0: Are you saying that you see Jim more as a trailer than a tractor?
1: It's a great question because we've seen the, the body of work at Michigan, which is Jim Harbaugh is undoubtedly a very good coach, but Jim Harbaugh also benefits from the circumstances that he inherits. Michigan making one playoff appearance in six years about what we've thought Michigan would be. And in fact, Michigan probably wasn't going to make it this year in the playoffs, if not for one victory over Ohio State. And so Michigan kind of, exists in this like tier three of college football programs. And that's a pretty good job to have if you have total job security there. So
0: the next thing I have to ask, so you think that's the peak at Michigan?
1: I think that this is as good as it's going to get at Michigan because Michigan is just not one of those programs anymore. We've seen it in the past, whether it be, you know, you want to go all the way back to the 60s and 70s with Bo Schembechler, and this is a totally different game that we're watching now, or you want to go back to the 90s where they happened to get Charles Woodson And they happen to still have that national brand, and and Midwestern football still had a really strong recruiting base, but now there's national recruiting, so it changes the math a little bit. I think this is probably as good as it gets for Michigan, considering Michigan hadn't won a Big Ten championship since 2004 prior to this run. So I think nine to 10 wins consistently is about as good as it's going to get at Michigan. I think of Michigan in the same group, like Michigan State, like Auburn, Oklahoma State. I think of them as programs like that. And that's not a bad place to be. If you're going to leave that behind, because I would, if I were in that position, I would have a really hard time leaving that behind. Like Mike Gundy's turned down multiple head coaching offers at the university of Tennessee, the university of Florida, Ole Miss, because he has this good thing going at Oklahoma state is Oklahoma state ever going to win a championship. No, Oklahoma state's never going to win a championship, but they're going to be pretty consistently in it every single year, make a bowl game every single year year win eight nine games every single year to leave that behind I would have to leave for the perfect job and nothing screams dysfunction more than the Las Vegas Raiders other than maybe the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Detroit Lions but after that even the Detroit Lions though by the way the Lions have made what like three playoff appearances in the last 20 years and the Raiders have won so even the Raiders scream dysfunction more than the Detroit Lions and I don't know if I would want to go to that organization I don't think the marriage works for either side I don't I don't think the marriage works for the Raiders or Jim Harbaugh.
0: Okay, here's why I think that it works for Jim. I think that the incentives there, you said the incentive to stay at Michigan because you could be comfortable, you could stay at a job for 10 to 20 years, you could just co-spy on your reputation, get at 10 wins and that sounds fine to the general population. I don't think that's Jim Harbaugh, man. I don't think that's what Jim Harbaugh is all about. Jim Harbaugh wants to be in that championship conversation. Jim Harbaugh wants to be among the elite head coaches. I think that Jim Harbaugh while he loves what he did at Michigan this season, he ultimately wants more. And if it proves untenable for him to get more at Michigan, then I think he is going to pursue a job that intrigues him, a job that interests him. And the Raiders, I understand the reason to doubt the Raiders organizationally. Obviously, your lifetime, my lifetime, they've been bad for a majority of that. I got a little bit of the end of the Rich Gannon, John Gruden, Callahan as the head coach, Mm -hmm. but that was about the end of like the Raiders being a successful franchise for me. Yeah, you had the Jack Del Rio year, 2016, Derek Carr, pseudo MVP until he broke his leg there. Khalil Mack,
1: won defensive player of the year that year. That's been
0: the peak of their success. But I think of Jim more as a tractor than a trailer because I look at those Niners teams. You say he landed a perfect situation. If you look at the Niners teams going into that, you would not say it felt like a perfect situation. They were mediocre for a large part of it. And I saw a lot of coaches in that tenure do less with more but Jim was able to do more with less was able to get the most out of those talents was able to get Vernon Davis on the same page was able to get Navarro Bowman and Patrick Willis Joe Staley just being consistent and the biggest example of Jim Harbaugh turning around that team was Alex Smith Alex Smith in his rookie contract his first five years in San Francisco he was probably a bottom third NFL quarterback and that's being nice but you look at that one year, that quick turnaround, 2011, you took a team that I believe had six wins the year before. It's hard for me to remember and turned them into a 13 and three juggernaut. 13 and three. That's, that's a no laughing stock record in the NFL. It's hard to just lose three games in the NFL. And in fact, if you look at how that team started off, I believe through the first 13 games of the season, multiple games of the season, it didn't even allow a rushing touchdown. He just brought a mentality to that team that I, I think has been echoed through every place he's ended up, whether it be at Stanford, whether it's been with San Francisco or whether it's been with Michigan, there's been some sort of edge that he's brought to that team. And I think he could bring that to a place that has had its share of dysfunction like the Raiders. As far as for the Raiders incentive to do it, you just want to implement some level of stability into this franchise. And you want to have a coach that you think could potentially be around there for multiple years. You don't want to just have, I don't know, the flavor of the month. And then two years later, you're having to replace him. Now, I think they want a guy that's had a proven track record in the NFL. Jim's had a proven track record in the NFL. He's done it in college. At this point, I'm just ready to declare him he's just an overall good coach. He's a probably tier two coach as far as college pros, everything. And I think that the Raiders could really use someone like that. Now, the question is, do they give him organizational control? Now, that is a thing in which I disagree with any organization doing for any coach because I have never seen an example where it's truly worked other than Bill Belichick, but Bill Belichick, Belichick is just built different. So for even people
1: criticize Belichick, the GM, even
0: the GM, his wide receiver work, I I think is palpable every year that we just look and you have Nikhil Harry just out there or gosh, I I can't even name half of the wide receivers that he's pumped in there. They traded a second round pick for
1: Mohamed Sanu,
0: seven games. That is just one blind spot in Bill's game. (laughs) Just will never be corrected. But for Jim, I think as long as you're bringing in Jim, the head coach and Jim, not the personnel guy. Guy. now the question for the Raiders is is he a good fit with Mike Mayock are you getting rid of Mayock what do you do there him and Mayock actually could work together I don't know why but I have this feeling deep inside me that fills Mayock and Harbaugh could vibe with each other and work as a good combination Mayock you scout the players and you look at Mayock he's actually done a decent job of getting players in there like a guy like Max Crosby coming out and being one of the NFL leaders in sacks you know Josh Jacobs didn't think much of it at the time Josh Jacobs he one's young he's on the field is actually a pretty solid little running back probably the only big swings and misses you really talk about are like Khalil farrell just picking him out oh there's a lot of them for the raiders because you can obviously
1: throw damon arnett in the mix and henry ruggs yeah
0: yes different reasons different reasons there as far as that Mm -hmm. but uh they were contributing on the field is the thing they were good draft picks up until their personal life issues came into play which could you say were those guys more gruden guys (laughs) were they more mayock guys I think Mayock has done good jobs in the later rounds, picking up guys that have contributed to the Raiders team. That defense has made a turnaround in the last years. The fact, hell, we're going to get into it. They're competing for a playoff spot this year. This year, when they have lost their head coach, their first round draft pick from a year ago, just saw a legend of their franchise pass away. And the Raiders are still hanging around here in week 18. If you told me they just had stability at the head coaching position, this is a franchise in a new stadium, a new environment. They left the Oakland Raiders behind. They're the Las Vegas Raiders. They could cement their legacy in Las Vegas for a while. And I I think it starts with making a big boy hire, getting some guy with some big boy pants. I'm talking about those khakis. Get those khaki pants on your sideline and you'll win some games, Las Vegas.
1: I mean, isn't that kind of what they just did before? Like Mark Davis said, we need an identity as a franchise. And Jack Del Rio was a fine coach, but they wanted the sexy hundred million dollar yes, coach
0: but again you know unforeseen circumstances I don't know what's going to happen in Jim Harbaugh's emails 10 years from now he's probably just going to be talking about chicken being a nervous animal
1: it's not like the Gruden experiment was going great before all of the emails leaked they True. hadn't made the playoffs very much they had they had draft bust after draft bust come through the organization and I'm, I'm still amazed I say this all the time I'm amazed Derek Carr outlasted John Gruden in Las Vegas because that it, they feel like they're still in court quarterback purgatory of he's a fine quarterback but he plays to the level of the roster that you put around him pound for
0: pound who's the better head coach between John Gruden and Jim Harbaugh <sighs>
1: Jim Harbaugh certainly but it doesn't then mean that it. it doesn't mean that Jim Harbaugh is going to be successful though with the Raiders and I think a big part of this too is Jim Harbaugh is only going to be as good as the players that you put around him and the Raiders are going to have a really hard time doing that like you said they they have a solid foundation I'm not going to say a strong foundation I'm not going to say a great foundation they have a foundation at this point yes they have Max Crosby yes they still have Yannick Gakwe. yes they still have Darren Waller hopefully as as long as he can come back from injury and yes they still have Derek Carr and yes Hunter Renfro somehow has 1400 receiving yards this year all of that is there but I could point to most teams and say there's a foundation it just it puts the Raiders in a position where they're very clearly like a middle of the road team in the AFC and I don't know if you want to sign up for splashy coaching hire when you're not in a position to actually build that success now
0: I'll say it again the Niners were a middle of the road team in the NFC before they hired Jim Harbaugh.
1: But with the 49ers, I think then you could still point to really talented players on the team like Patrick Willis. That's a that's a borderline Hall of Fame. In hindsight,
0: who knows? Who knows if some of these players on the Raiders roster might have some unlocked potential that we we're not talking about because they're getting overshadowed by all the disaster that's happened to them this season and all the turmoil of the Raiders franchise as a whole for the last two decades.
1: That is a fair analysis there. I just I don't think that it's replicable. Maybe the Raiders want to try it, but I feel like you would be setting yourself up for another three and out type of situation.
0: Well, here's the second part of this. We literally talked about this last week. The other four names that the Raiders were talking about. You don't care for a Leslie Frazier. You don't want Todd Bowles. You don't want some of the other. Let's see. So in their own coaching staff, Gus Bradley or Rich Vespaccio, those four names, you said it yourself last week. No excitement there from that. Who else are the Raiders hiring that is a better hire?
1: I could Give you a few down the road that I'm thinking of. One of them would be Kellen Moore for the Cowboys. I think that's one where it's like a low, low risk, high upside potential hire. Nathaniel Hackett for the Packers as an offensive coordinator. I think that's an interesting type of hire. I don't think Doug Peterson would be that interested in the the Las Vegas job, but Doug Peterson reflects kind of something interesting. Uh, Doug
0: Peterson reminds me a lot of Jim Harbaugh. You're getting a lot of similar type qualities and he was at the mountaintop. He did win a Super Bowl. That would be a impressive hire for them. For this organization, coming off of what they're just dealing with right now, that would be impressive hire.
1: Yeah, I think that Peterson would be something. I'll throw Eric enemy in the mix there too, because we, we kind of gloss him over every year. I don't know what the reasoning is behind it at this point, but we kind of gloss over him every year. So those are some names that I'd throw out that at least would get me more interested. And part of that is just because I haven't seen it before. Maybe it's something that we just don't know, and we're just missing out on on some parts here, but I, I feel like every, the the Vegas glamour of Jim Harbaugh is a higher. Again, by the way, I just found out fifty eight year old Jim Harbaugh. By the way, fifty eight year old Jim Harbaugh as your head coach feels like it would be quite stressful for Jim, but it also reflects Jim trying to maximize his window while he still has a chance. Because as soon as Michigan has another eight and four season or nine and three season, we're not talking about Jim Harbaugh for one of these jobs. And I think that's probably part of it too. Is that I feel like I know what Jim Harbaugh is at this point. It is stability. I think whoever the Raiders hire is going to fail because they're not going to make the playoffs in the next three years. But at the same time, I don't know if Jim Harbaugh would want to sign up for that when maybe you could wait it out for a better situation. And if not, Michigan's a pretty good place to land. I should have probably clarified that on the front end. No matter who the Raiders hire, I don't think it's going to work out because the Raiders can't get enough talent to make the playoffs consistently. In the I will AFC. push
0: back on you. They hired Jim Harbaugh. They're making the playoffs next year. Bet.
1: That's a that's a lot of ifs, ands, and buts in between, but I feel well, very confident. Well, we will answer the ifs,
0: back. ands, and buts here in the next two weeks when it happens. Am I right or am I yes, right? Yes, and
1: I will I will take those odds absolutely because I already know the Chiefs are winning the AFC West. So now you can filter in the playoff spots after that wherever you want to go. And I'll take the Chargers. I like the Chargers. I know they're playing a one-game toss-up with the Raiders this weekend for a playoff spot, but yeah. love me some Justin Herbert. Here's
0: what I'll say. I think that, again, I mentioned the name Alex Smith. Earlier. I think if there's someone that I think that maybe not maximize being the right word, but be able to get the best out of Derek Carr from a playmaking perspective, similar to what we saw early in the season with John Gruden actually turning around Derek Carr's career, I think it would be Jim Harbaugh. A guy who's played quarterback in the NFL would be a good guy to have in Derek Carr's corner. If he loved Gruden, I guarantee Derek Carr, Jim Harbaugh would get along too. And I think that that would be a good starting point for the Raiders as they progress. We'll see. Too, what happens to Derek Carr? That may be another thing, too. That may throw off the yeah. entire prediction there. I reserve it, the right if Derek Carr's not on this team to uh, walk that one back.
1: I, I feel confident Derek Carr is going to be on the team next year, but it feels like Derek Carr has had a career where he's one of these quarterbacks that's like a 10 year starter in the NFL. It doesn't mean that he's going to start for the same team for 10 years, but he's like a 10 year starter in the NFL. Kirk Cousins, he'll be a 10 year starter in the NFL. Andy Dalton was a 10 year starter in the NFL. Yeah. And it looks like the Raiders are content to just ride it out all 10 years with Derek Carr because, you know, it could be a lot worse.
0: We see the flashes there with Carr. We we know the arm talent is there. We know the talent's there. It just, later in the season, he seems to go into a shell of himself. And that's biggest the biggest thing that could have been corrected. And I think would have been corrected had they not had the mess at the head coaching position this year. Because again, Gruden was a central part of that team in terms of his ability to play call and adjust and not having that ability to change the script on the fly like I don't think Greg Olson is nearly as good of an offensive play caller as Gruden is for all Gruden's faults you can say good offensive play caller and by the way actually I should (laughs) clarify something from last week that just made me think about something uh John Gruden's not dead folks if you listen to the opening intro of last week's podcast yes it was not John Gruden who died um although he's been MIA for the large part of the season here uh
1: I think he's suing uh, the NFL I think he re-emerged to file a lawsuit against the NFL
0: emerged from the shadows to exit the court of the and to exit the court of I don't know what would you call it trivial lawsuits I guess it's not uh, trivial it's about civil court dollars. civil court there we go enter the court of civil court no that doesn't sound I guess
1: right. or enter civil court I think would be the pronunciation for it but it's yeah yeah Juju said John Gruden died instead of John Madden last week there's a, there's a lot of Johns in the Raiders organization yeah seems seems to be a theme
0: change it for a gym and you got a winning thing in Las Vegas I'm calling it. Calling shot. <laughs>
1: What if they did the ultimate college football move and just gave John Harbaugh like 12 million a year to be like, I know you like having Lamar Jackson and you can have that job for 10 years, but what about $120 million to coach the Raiders?
0: I think with John Harbaugh, he's just so indebted at this point to Lamar Jackson considering. Yeah. Remember, I think John was dangerously close to getting fired in that last season of Joe Flacco.
1: I, I still remember it to this day. It was, I believe it was November, 2018. There was literally a headline reporting. The Ravens are planning to move on from John Harbaugh unless they make the playoffs.
0: It's tough for him because he's not a play caller. He, that CEO head coach seems like almost easier to move off those types of coaches whenever they're not the backbone of one specific side of the ball.
1: Well, and it looked like they were headed into that purgatory the Steelers are in now where you're like going 500 every year, just missing the playoffs. And every now and then you'll get a six seed and you have no plan for the quarterback. And then they got the quarterback for the next decade and Now, everyone's got total job security in Baltimore. That's the one thing that'll save Jim Harbaugh. Can you get the quarterback for a decade? If Aaron Rodgers comes into trade, I reserve the right to change my analysis on the Las Vegas Raiders. Okay. So
0: we both have qualifiers here in this potential swapping trade scenario. Derek Carr, Aaron Rodgers, those are all factors that factor into this Las Vegas Raider equation. This
1: is why I don't like sports gambling, is because so many things change. And unlike a lot of pundits, I have no. No problem admitting I was wrong I yeah. said back in September I wasn't sure if Joe Burrow was going to be better than Baker Mayfield Jesus that was wrong
0: right and <laughs> that's an instant change of analysis there I mean a I, few I years ago was...
1: on your on your show I said the Bills would go six and ten and replace Josh Allen with Dak Prescott yeah I can be wrong on this if if they get Aaron Rodgers yeah I'm not certain that the Chiefs are going to win the AFC West because they got Aaron Rodgers twice a year in the division
0: no matter how many times things change there some things though that always remain the same speaking of like old takes I think about from old timey slump buster podcast basically the first month of the podcast when it was just myself and my old co-host Dre MMA Dre for those unacquainted we were just talking Antonio Brown Antonio Brown, Antonio Brown because we started this podcast right in his tenure short lived tenure with the then Oakland Raiders uh, right in the middle of hard knocks knock on wood if you're with me folks and here two years later Antonio Brown is still very much a subject of discussion. Obviously, everyone has seen the inauspicious exit of him on the New York Jets field in MetLife Stadium doing jumping jacks while also at the same time claiming he didn't want to go in the game due to an ankle injury. So interesting to think about there. This is, of course, is just two weeks removed from him getting off a suspension for providing a fake vaccination card to the NFL. Now, I know we kind of talked about it a little bit after we got off our SEC championship, national championship, preview, but it sounded like you were taking the more empathetic take than I was. Let me know your thoughts. Antonio Brown, where are you at with this guy at this point in time?
1: I like to think that I am a a more empathetic person in general. So I I humanize a lot of people in general, sometimes to a fault, but I I generally tend to lean on the side of empathy in just general day-to-day conversation before talking to anyone or hearing anyone else talk about the Antonio Brown situation. I recorded the uh the memes of the weekend podcast that we do on take it easy on monday this was before i'd heard anyone talk about it or anything like that and i was just like so do we have to talk about this thing it's like everything that has been said about antonio brown has been said in the past if he's willing to live with the consequences i'd pass no judgment towards him. and then every single podcast tv show youtube channel for the past three days has been talking about antonio brown everywhere on twitter everywhere on instagram it's it's been a Antonio Brown content and this guy is so fascinating that we care so much about Antonio Brown because Antonio Brown has been not really a relevant NFL wide receiver for about three years now and I think after the Raiders situation and after the uh, sexual assault charges that came against him, which I think in March of 2021 they were settled, but we didn't really talk about it because Antonio Brown disappeared for a while. We didn't really talk about Antonio Brown as if he was a staple figure in the soap opera of the NFL. We haven't really done that since uh, the Steelers, uh, the Killer Bees team came to an end. I think that was back in 2017 was the last year they were officially together because 2018 Le'Veon Bell held out. So really, it's been like five calendar years since Antonio Brown has been a storyline like this and a storyline for being a Hall of Fame wide receiver. And I was surprised that everyone wanted to weigh in on this situation because, yeah, it's crazy and yeah, it's funky, but it feels like we care more about the perpetrator in this situation than we do about the person because Antonio Brown seems like not a nice guy. You mentioned the fake vax card thing and the the thing that was most fascinating to me about that was because he didn't pay his personal chef like $7,000, his personal chef got revenge and leaked his dirty secrets to the Tampa Bay Times. I'm like, this was so not worth it. And Antonio Brown is a really interesting character that we don't really know a lot about other than the stuff that he puts out on social media and the antics that get everyone with an opinion and a platform riled up. But Antonio Brown is is a really interesting character. And I wonder how his mental health issues combined with growing up homeless in Miami at 16 years old and going to junior college in Central Michigan and then getting all of the money and all of the power in Pittsburgh and feeling like he had the power finally in his life where he had achieved this goal and also doesn't really want to play football because he's also kind of sensitive. It's all really fascinating. And I'm surprised that we care so much about Antonio Brown, even still to this day.
0: Well, I think there's a couple fronts in why we care about it. One, I think a lot of the things he's done in the last two years are so unprecedented. When's the last time you saw a guy just doing jumping jacks shirtless on the field that wasn't some belligerent asshole fan that ran on the field? When's the last time you saw someone burn their feet off in a cryo chamber or come into training camp on a hot air balloon or dye their mustache blonde or threaten to retire over a helmet or call their GM a cracker and throw a football? fall at their quarterback's head a lot of those situations are so unique that they deserve some level of observation that they deserve some level of talking about and i think the reason we care is because the second part of this is it feels like wasted potential i think one big way to get everyone riled up is to think about the biggest crime of wasting potential i was watching like goodwill hunting the other day and the reason that everyone robin williams character the math instructor cared so much about will is because they wanted him to go out there and use his talents for good and everyone saw how good Antonio Brown is you look at the first seven six years of Antonio Brown's career no debate first ballot Hall of Fame level talent I mean we're talking about six straight years of over 1200 yards you talk about his last season in Pittsburgh 15 receiving touchdowns 15 touchdowns that is just absurd numbers those are video game numbers seriously I watched Antonio Brown highlights not too long ago just you know just had to go down that rabbit hole remember pittsburgh ab and it was watching a video game i swear to god just his breakaway speed the way he would just cut in and out of routes it was far and away the best wide receiving talent this is a time when we had peak julio peak deandre hopkins kelvin johnson was still in the league and still ab just stood apart from the rest of the field and i I think if you ask why people have their panties in a bunch when they think about antonio brown it's one the uniqueness and two the resentment over wasted talent wasted potential because everyone would kill to be in a position like Antonio Brown is very few people that would say if you trade me into Antonio Brown's like shoes I would just be a model citizen but since Antonio Brown just can't do it or at least do it for any sustained period of time it, it just turns into this circus act each and every week that we have to deal with with him and it's exhausting too and it deserves some level of conversation because listen I think to a certain respect because I've had people message me and it's like man I'm curious to hear your take on Antonio Brown. I'm curious to hear your take on Antonio Brown. And yes, I could go a week without talking to Antonio Brown. I, I remember when he left the Patriots, I was like, okay, we won't talk Antonio Brown until the day he signed with another NFL team. It was a relief. It was a weight off my shoulders. Not having talk AB, oh my God, like that was freeing. It was as freeing as disengaging from politics for a length of time. But the second that he stepped back on the field, he then became my problem or my assignment as someone who runs a sports podcast. As yourself. It would be doing a disservice to not talk about it. And do I have any new takes? Do I have any new nuance to add to it? Probably not. Because as you mentioned, there's millions of people talking about this thing. But Antonio Brown also knows that there's going to be millions of people watching his every action. And that's why he decides to act out sometimes in the way he does. Of course, we could unpeel the onion a little bit more, talk about mental health here. The only thing I worry about with that is do we allow a guy like Antonio Brown to use the mental health argument as a blanket statement so he can act with impunity? That is my one fear whenever we talk about mental health when it comes to Antonio Brown.
1: I think it's interesting on a couple fronts because we don't have to talk about Antonio Brown. Like this is the part that is fascinating from just a national standpoint is we don't have to lead three or four days of content with Antonio Brown. Now, whether people want that or not, that's a different story. I talked about this um, with the Brittany and Jackson Mahomes stuff that went on in October, which was, I felt really uncomfortable making jokes about that. Last year, when the Juju Smith-Schuster stuff was happening, I made a lot of jokes about that on Instagram. And looking back on it, I feel bad for doing it. And the same thing happened with me with Antonio Brown in 2019, which was I started podcasting in June of 2019. And I was learning a lot of this and just like kind of repeating things that I heard and calling it my own before being able to learn how to formulate takes and talk to myself in a microphone with thousand hours of practice and things like this. And I have my regrets about jokes that we made on comical sports and jokes that we made on the podcast about Antonio Brown. And the way I kind of navigated it this week was by talking about Kevin Porter Jr. And most people listening to this may be like, who is Kevin Porter Jr. Well, I will tell you that on the exact day that the Antonio Brown situation happened at halftime of the Rockets game, the night before John Lucas, the third, who's an assistant coach for the Rockets cussed out Christian Wood and Kevin Porter in the locker room. And at halftime, Kevin Porter threw an object, according to Shams threw an object at John Lucas and left at halftime, just left the stadium, gotten an Uber and left at halftime. When they tried to sub Christian Wood in, in the second half of the game, Christian Wood said, no, Oh, I'm good. I'm not going in. And Kevin Porter Jr. and Christian Wood were suspended one game. Nobody's really talking about it except people who are really in the NBA circles. But I think
0: that and goes into what I was mentioning, though, of the level of talent that AB is, that we all see what we see, that he is a Hall of Fame level talent. And to add to it, he's also doing it on last year's Defending Super Bowl champions, a team that is going for potentially a Super Bowl repeat. If this would happen in Detroit, if this happened, I don't know. Name and also terrible franchise. If this happened in Jacksonville, maybe we probably wouldn't.
1: Did so. didn't Vontae Davis do it in
0: Indy it or happened, Buffalo or yeah, something? It exactly. Happened in Buffalo. Guy retired at halftime, and that was the end of it. But also with Vontae Davis. We're also not talking about levels of impropriety thrown onto it. Like we've seen, of course, with Antonio Brown, like you mentioned, uh, and you mentioned this after the um, championship preview that we did too. There's also just criminal aspects to this that mm-hmm. we can't dive too much into because we don't know the full level of circumstances going into there, but there, there's criminal aspects. The,
1: the things that, that have they, been credibly reported yeah. for people who are wondering is that the reason he was cut by the Patriots, it was Robert Kraft's decision was because Antonio Brown was charged with a couple of Counts of sexually harassing workers that came to his home, female workers who came to his home and one case of sexual harassment. Or, I'm sorry, sexual assault. One case of sexual assault and two counts of sexual harassment. The sexual assault case was they settled in March of 2021, I believe. Those are things that have been credibly reported. Other than that, that's the background there.
0: And that's why, too, I've seen this come up, this argument come up on Twitter as well. A B or TO, who was worse? The worst TO did was do sit-ups in his driveway. That that's the way- Way I kind of like look at that situation. AB and TO aren't even in the same conversation at this point. AB and Vontae Davis aren't in the same conversation at this time. AB has separated himself into a, such a unique category that I also think not just now, not just here in the week of observation that we're having this. Ten years from now, Antonio Brown will be such a unique case study just to look at what happened. What happened in hindsight? How did Antonio Brown's career just turn from again first ballot Hall of Famer? to first ballot i don't know what to go on at this point
1: well let me ask first you this class. i get what you're saying like yeah. first ballot i mean not my words i put these in air quotes first ballot clown show uh because when you call someone a clown you're calling them the b word that's just a fun twitter thing for people who yeah. don't know yeah, when you call someone a clown it's just another word for the b word but uh at the same time wait if
0: in b word come on man you can you could use you can say it <laughs> We have I, no sensors.
1: I know, but it's, it's just, I don't know which times it's the derogatory one and which times it's just the slang one. So I just tread on the tread on the safe side. Cause I don't Fair know enough. when it's derogatory and when it's not. So when I don't know, I trend on the safe side. You um, never
0: know when someone's going to clip specific sections of audio. Fair enough.
1: The question I'll pose to you is say Antonio Brown, I'll take you back to January of January 1st, 2019, or the, the end of the 2018 season when, you know, he just leaves practice because Ben overthrows him and yells at him and he leaves practice and just doesn't show up for the last game of the season against the Baltimore Ravens. And then he gets traded to the Raiders and everything else. Oh, no. First of all, he gets traded to Buffalo, then says, I'm not going to Buffalo." (laughs) another unique thing. At the same time, though, let's say when that first thing happens, Antonio Brown retires from football, retires from football at that point, like he maybe wanted to. It seems like Antonio Brown doesn't like the, the discipline culture of football. He's really sensitive guy. At least it would appear. And it just doesn't jibe well with his personality. Also, someone who, again, has a lot of, you know, you could talk about daddy issues or talk about mommy issues or being homeless in Miami at 16. And going from that to, to Central Michigan, and then being a sixth round pick, returning kicks in the Super Bowl in your first year. And
0: see, you mentioned all all of that. that. It's just a shame, man.
1: If he well, just, so here's, he, yeah. here's the okay. point I was going to say go. there, which is if he retires at 30, do we still talk about wasted potential? Do we still talk about uh, throwing it all away? If he just walked away from football then and we don't have any of the stuff that happened afterwards and he does what Andrew Luck did where he retires at 29 or he does what Gronk did where he retired at 29, but then Gronk came back at 31. Like if he walks away at 30 years old, do we still talk about wasted potential and throwing it all away and all of the the hyperactive language that we're using this past week and for the last three years when it comes to Antonio Brown
0: see it would fall into the ballpark of certain Hall of Famers that we have seen in the past that have had shorter 10 years than we would have liked but got in because the talent was undeniable the numbers were undeniable in their short peaks I think of obviously Kelvin Johnson is a comp that comes to mind even though Kelvin looking back in hindsight there was more injury concerns that he initially led on when he retired Patrick Willis same type of thing, retired earlier than we were expected, but in hindsight, let it be known that he had more injury concerns than he was talking about. Uh, Sandy Koufax, I guess, would be a similar comp but of course Danny Koufax is a uh, toast compared to Antonio Brown I think we would have been disappointed yes and I think we would have been mostly disappointed because we enjoyed seeing Antonio Brown out there he's a spectacle like in, in terms of just the player Antonio Brown is a treat to watch on NFL Sundays I remember talking with some friends that were Stiller's fans. You want to know how much of a treat he was? They were talking about naming their kids Antonio because of how much of a Stiller's legend Antonio Brown was becoming. He was ready to walk down that same vein of Stiller's Hall of Fame wide receivers from years past. You know how the Steelers just kept recycling Hall of Fame level wide receiver after Hall of Fame level wide receiver year after year after year. That was Antonio Brown's show. And then Juju came into it. And then it just seemed like everything just slowly started devolving from there. There. I think there would have been just some level of disappointment there, but we could have lived with it. I think we could have lived with it a little bit more than for someone to actively be ruining their NFL Hall of Fame resume. To go to such lengths, intentionally or unintentionally, to burn down your entire legacy, I think is what's most hurtful vicariously.
1: Well, the point I would argue there is if he retires at 30 and we all agree he's a first ballot Hall of Famer for what he did in Pittsburgh, then he's still a first ballot Hall of Famer now. I'm not going to apply the character clause or morals clause, because there's a lot of hypocrisy involved in a lot of that stuff, like Antonio yes, Brown.
0: Okay. Yeah, T.O., yeah. right? T.O. gained held off for multiple years. But again, yeah. T.O. and A.B., it's an apples and oranges conversation at this point in terms of the certain levels of, you know, character flaws that we've seen.
1: Yeah. And, and I don't think any of that should apply here because a lot of the Antonio Brown stuff is all semantics. Again, we could have ignored all of this stuff with Antonio Brown, but it's a super polarizing and charged issue because Antonio Brown follows this line of diva wide receivers that generate a lot of attention because people, like you said, people really love the idea of how could you be the guy who throws it all away? But some people want to make that a case, even when there's no case for it. Like Antonio Brown could have left football in the same way. Like if you hear Andrew Luck talk about uh, at his final press conference, and then he kind of disappeared for three years. But when you hear Andrew Luck talk about it, Andrew Luck was going through a lot of really difficult things. He's talking about losing love of football and spiraling into depression and going through all the rehab was draining all the fun out of his life. And you hear that stuff and it's like, yeah, Andrew Luck was probably dealing with a lot of mental health issues when he decided to retire. And Antonio Brown could have done the same thing. He didn't. He hasn't shown contrition for his actions. And I think that makes a lot of people think, oh, well, then bleep you. If I want to feel bad for you, but you just want to keep being a jerk, then bleep you. And all of that feels like semantics to me because it's just a hypercharged issue where it becomes a race to formulate an opinion informed or not informed on something that just generates a lot of news coverage and generates a well, like lot you of said, people's said, Antonio interest. Brown
0: speeds into it. He lets it happen. He, he keeps giving people more ammunition and he actively knows what he's doing. Look at his rap career. Now, I'm not here to judge how bad or good his music is although i will say uh it's not gonna be on my playlist anytime soon <laughs> but if you just like analytically look at the lyrics of it it's almost seems like him pushing back against everyone trying to punch back and you know you not to get political with it but you know you think about like stuff like donald trump you know why were people gravitating to him because he was the guy that punched back and that's kind of like in a similar vein of what antonio brown does whenever he does have these blow scenarios he'll go out there and he'll make a music video he'll challenge Jake Paul he'll do an IG live I think he did an IG live after this little recent blow up too mm-hmm. he did a rap video I guess or a rap song after he dropped a rap same. song yes. immediately
1: after leaving the stadium you're correct so in, it's not
0: like he's not aware of what he's doing. Sometimes I, I think that's so the other thing too with this.
1: I have an idea for this, but I don't know whether it's grounded in fact. This is just kind of me trying to put pieces together. And I heard, ironically, I heard Ricky Williams talk about this idea, and I found it really fascinating. Which is when you don't want to play football anymore, and it seems like Antonio Brown really doesn't want to play football anymore. It's that the environment is not healthy for him. He's really sensitive. Bruce Arians bucked heads with him all the time like
0: you know though you say that he he doesn't want to play football And I agree with you based off his actions, your actions speak louder than your words, but he has had words. He has had statements in the past too, when he's had his little hiatuses over the last two years where, man, I wish I could just be playing, man, look, I can still ball out there. It's kind of somewhere, I guess this is where he is somewhere to how to kind of got blackballed from the league and still at age 48 is saying, man, I could still be out there bucks sign me.
1: And I think a big part of the reason and TO is in the same camp is Antonio Brown has a really freaking awesome job. Antonio Brown also makes a ridiculous amount of money to play football. And this happens to a lot of NFL players where when you retire, you try and keep that lifestyle going. It's that like the rest of your life you think, and a lot of times is unless you change your expectations, it's never going to be as cool as being in your twenties worth $20 million and playing football. That's a really freaking awesome job to have. And so what ends up happening is you see baseball players get found with 50 pounds of cocaine in their car. You see a bunch of athletes try and become rap stars. You see a bunch of athletes uh, commit healthcare and insurance fraud. We saw like two dozen former NFL players go to jail for healthcare and insurance fraud because you're trying to keep up the lifestyle, even though you don't have the same leverage as before. And Antonio Brown's looking around and it's like, I don't want to play football anymore, but I love all the perks of being worth a hundred million dollars playing football. And so he's turning To Jake Paul, he's turning to, to (laughs) turning to Jake Paul. He's trying to jumpstart a rap career because rappers and athletes have similar types of roads to having a lot of success in the creative arts and make a lot of money doing it. Because there's a lot of money in rap and sports, and so I think Antonio Brown's looking around like I don't love football, but I love all the perks that come with being a star athlete, and so he just keeps coming back time and time again to football. And by the way, has the support of Tom. Brady to help him continue that. And so it's just easier to continue doing that and ignore all the stuff you don't like. But I imagine ignoring your coach hating you and ignoring being ostracized in the locker room, probably going to do some damage to you and your mental health.
0: Yeah. And that's where too, you also get into these discussions about enablers. You mentioned Brady, you mentioned Arians, you mentioned Mike Tomlin, all these guys did they do Antonio Brown a disservice by enabling him, or did they do what they thought was in his best interest?
1: We, we like to think that the coach is the leader person who cares about the individuals and has a responsibility to be a, a, a leader figure in their life. I don't know if any of those guys actually owed Antonio Brown anything. Maybe it would have been better for the team and therefore it's their job as leaders to support Antonio Brown better. I think in an idealized world, that would be the case, but there's only so much that they can do for Antonio Brown when the 55th guy on the roster is getting cold heartedly cut because that's just the nature of the game. So I think there's only so much they can actually do for Antonio Brown. This is where the people who really care about Antonio Brown and his life and show Antonio Brown real love and real support probably could have helped him out. Maybe that's a teammate. Maybe that's a coach. Maybe that's A person with the training staff. Maybe it's Tom Brady if they had that level of a relationship, but I I don't know if the coaches specifically owed him that much.
0: That's where I do kind of feel for the guy. I will say that. I I feel like he started to alienate himself from so many people that I do kind of wonder where his next turning moment is. Is he going to ever be a guy that goes back to his baby mama, goes to his children, you know, kind of ingratiates himself with family? That would be my first place to turn if I was in a situation like AB where I've just burned like every possible bridge I can imagine to turn to family. But even that has been kind of a rocky road for him as we've seen in the last couple of years. So I I do hope ultimately that he does figure it out. I don't think he's ever going to play football again. My, if we're saying like absolute bets here on this podcast, like we did with Harbaugh before, I don't think AB is playing football again for another team. Again, with the spectacle we saw this past weekend, I I just don't think you could do it. If you're, you're going to blackball T.O. for less, you can't bring, back AB after what just happened this past weekend. And I know he's an excellent talent. And the funny part about it, he's still technically on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers roster as of today. Go check it out. I am not kidding you. Check out the website right now for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's still on their depth chart. But I I don't know. I I can't speak what are the right steps he needs to take. But he just needs to change the script here. Just change the script on his life. Because at this pace, at this rate, because we're talking about just the amount of headlines in just a two-year time span, it speaks disaster in five years if he keeps going at this pace.
1: Yeah, I I think there's truth behind that. And I honestly think if Antonio Brown keeps getting drawn back into the football lifestyle, if he can't find a pivot to somewhere else or find something new that gives him purpose in life, I think he'll be back. And I think there will be some team that will take a risk on him. Maybe not. I know when he was originally coming off of his suspension, there were three or four teams that were interested in signing him then. And I imagine that there will be teams interested in signing him again, I just don't know if there's going to be a perfect match in there somewhere. Maybe it's like Carolina or something. And maybe, by the way, it won't be this year. It won't be until the offseason that this happens. But I think someone somewhere is going to give Antonio Brown a chance if Antonio Brown wants or if Antonio Brown gets drawn back in because it doesn't feel like he wants to play football. But it feels like if he gets drawn back in because you've been away from the sport for six Months and you're spiraling into depression or you're spiraling into alcoholism or you're trying to find some way to move on from football, but you also really miss all the perks of being a football player, then he'll get drawn back in the same way Adrian Peterson's out here signing with the Tennessee Titans practice squad.
0: Josh Gordon, right? That's another comp to put in here too. Although I, I think the difference is there is just like Josh is only hurting himself most times, where AB has had moments where he's hurting other people.
1: Josh Gordon's is a really freaking interesting story because we talk about humanizing people. Like people don't really make the stay off the weed jokes anymore because weed is more culturally acceptable and addiction I, I is not in the same just boat.
0: Have a little fun with it because mostly because Stephen A is very meme memeable in that one. Just yeah, just extra Stephen A. There.
1: Stephen A. Refuses. By the way, this is an interesting thing too. Stephen A. Refuses to admit he's wrong on the the stay off the weed thing, even though it's super super unpopular. Like it sounds like he's an anti. Equated old guy when he says it, but it's one of his signature lines. So it's, he still yeah. tries to weave it in somehow.
0: I'll say this on that one. And, you know, we, we've had, a—I think we honestly had a great segment on this one. So I'm ready to kind of move on, move for the purposes of this podcast. But I will say this, there is just the aspect of if you knew the one thing you had to do to make millions of dollars was not smoke weed. I think the obvious answer for a lot of people would just be to not smoke weed. Like I would give up drinking if I can make millions of dollars off of it. I I would give up a lot of things if it, there was a financial incentive. But and what, that's where what it, happens, it's hard to separate oh. in people's minds, like seven figures or this joint. Huh? What happens
1: huh? if it's an addiction, though? What happens yeah, when well, we're talking about that, that's things another like thing. that? And well, that's another is... thing
0: too, and that's also like one of those arguments there. Of I know, like a big thing, and a lot of people that are pro weed because again, I'm I'm pro weed. I'm very pro weed here. Don't get me wrong. But a lot of people that are pro-weed will go into this corner of weed is not habit forming. Weed is not addictive. And I disagree so vehemently with that. Anything is addictive. You can make anything addictive in your own mind. There's literally a whole show on the Learning Channel called My Strange Addiction. There are people who are eating nickels. You can make everything addictive if you want.
1: This is the classic Joe Namath line where he's talking about gambling. Or he's talking about uh, daily fantasy sports at the time. And he's like, so do you pay money to enter? Yes mm yes. And do you get money if you win? Yes. Then it's gambling. (laughs) And it's like, does it trigger dopamine in your head? Yes. Is it something that every time you use it, you feel like you need more and more? Yes. Then you can get addicted to it. And this is (laughs) the classic trope about Josh Gordon, which is if you heard Josh Gordon's story, like real quick, Josh Gordon, just for people listening, like he basically he said before, I forgot, I think it was Sports Illustrated that did the story, but he's basically like, I just assumed I wasn't going to live to see my 17th birthday. Like he was in gangs at 13 years old and he had been in like five shootouts by the time he was 16 and he'd gone the junior college route like Antonio Brown and when he got to be 18 he was just like oh, what do I do with the rest of my life now I'm like I didn't expect to live this long now what do I do and so you know he found his way to Baylor with Art Briles, and then has obviously all the Josh Gordon jokes for years and years that have not aged great for people making Josh Gordon jokes in 2014 or 2015 or 2016
0: they haven't aged great just because there's a level of hypocrisy you can find with it a lot of people like, yeah, listen, I will full on admit in middle school, elementary school, when they had you sign those little pamphlets saying, I will not do drugs. I will not smoke weed. <laughs> I signed that wholeheartedly. And then college happened. And obviously my perspective changed. Literally, you want to know my first ever sports take? What? You really want to know my first ever bad sports take? I remember ever, like um, one of the more popular like call in stations at, in Albuquerque, right? Uh, was doing like a thing of who should be blackballed more, Ricky Williams or Barry Bonds. And because I would just so in that just say no camp of marijuana, like I called in middle school me, middle school me, glad they didn't really snap a middle schoolers calling into their radio show right now uh, was like, well, of course Ricky Williams is worse than Barry Bonds because he smoked the weed. Come on guys. (laughs) I remember the host getting off of that call and they're like, man, that's just like one of the worst takes ever. And you know, hindsight being 20, Tony, I agree with him. Or should I say hindsight being 20, 2022,
1: am I right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly,
0: (laughs) but no. uh, Seriously, um, we can all change, and specifically with drugs and everything like that. Well, at least what we considered drugs at the time. That uh, the perspectives have changed in multitude of years. All right. Well, we're going deep on this one. We we got into so many different levels that went besides football here. To our credit, to our failure, whatever people think our shortcomings or beliefs are on that particular subject. Yeah. Let's transition here. Yes. Uh, Let's have a little fun with this. I know, like the last couple weeks, I've picked apart your NBA power rankings i've gone in deep on you i've judged you harshly so i'm going to seed control here as we have one more power rankings left to go on the nfl schedule i just wanted to dive in what do you think these are this is my second to last update of the year any disagreements agreements what do you think
1: juju my juju why are the tennessee titans number five why are why, why do you think the tennessee titans are good at football
0: why are the tennessee titans number five you ask because i have just been dogging on them so hard the last few weeks If you look at the previous couple weeks, I believe I had them at 13 or 14 behind the 49ers. Well, they go ahead and beat the 49ers. I think last week I had them just outside the top 10 or at the bottom of the top 10. And this week, I know they crushed the Dolphins, who are a pseudo going to be a winning team at the end of the year. Obviously, we've been riding that wave of Miami Dolphins love. So as far as the Tennessee Titans go, I feel it's because I've judged them so harshly earlier in the year that I feel like their most recent run of success without out the big guy, should be looked on more fondly. And the fact is, you know, I look through this, I mean, how they did sweep the Colts to their credit, whether we think the Colts are a better team or a worse team than them. They did sweep the Colts, who I have an eight this week. They did get the win over Buffalo. I know, again, different time, different time of the season. They did beat Buffalo. And at this current time, the only one I could say that's above them, that they also have a win for that I didn't see ground on was the Chiefs. The Chiefs, I kept that two and I actually kept them at two despite them having that loss to Cincinnati this week?
1: Yeah, I think I would take the Bengals and the Bills before getting to the Titans. I'd also throw the Cowboys up there ahead of the Titans. I'd have the Titans at like eight or nine, probably. But in fairness, we are recording after hearing that Derrick Henry is off of IR. (laughs) No idea how that happened, but yeah, it looks like Derrick Henry's going to play, apparently.
0: (laughs) See, now you add Derrick Henry back into this. Their defense has been rolling. AJ Brown looks back. Julio's still kind of been a bust for them, but he does exist. Julio Jones is on the team. Now they're healthy. I mean, they're as healthy as I suspect that they are. And that Titans team, when they were fully put together, I believe they were a top five team earlier in the year. And now they might be a top five team again. Plus, plus they might end up with the number one seed in the AFC after this week. Oh, they will.
1: They play, they play the Texans in a winner in for the one seed this week. So they're going to get the one seed. They're going to get the first round by, which by the way,
0: service to say the number one seed in a conference is not a top five.
1: By the way, let's say that's just absolute bullshit that the Titans are going to be the number one seed in the AFC. It's just bullshit that the playoffs are going to go through Tennessee and Patrick Mahomes doesn't get the number one seed. But the point being there, even as the one seed, it looks like their playoff matchup in the first round is going to be either the Colts, if the Colts win their wild card game, or the winner of Patriots versus Bills. And I want to see all three of those teams play the Titans so bad because that's going to be such a fun playoff game, no matter which one of those teams plays the Titans. It's going to be so much fun.
0: You know, this does bring up a thing, too, that we discussed in text, but we didn't address on the podcast. We were giving all these coaches flowers. Why didn't we give any flowers to Mike Vrabel? What he's done in Tennessee. It's actually pretty fucking impressive.
1: I did this podcast on Take It Easy on Wednesday with Gage Bridgeford, which you can also check out. Sorry to plug so much of my stuff, but now plugged three different podcasts I've done. But we talked about coaches that we just have no idea whether they're good or not. Shanahan being one of them, your boy Kyle Shanahan, Zach I'd Taylor. Write- I take
0: Grable over Shanahan today. I throw. I just
1: throw Mike Vrabel right in the mix there. I'm like, I have no idea. I know Mike Vrabel's not a bad coach, but I have no idea if he's a good coach or not. Yeah,
0: But you know, the first name, one of the first names out of our mouth was Frank Reich. Frank Reich or Mike Vrabel, you just look at, well, track record, you look at the seasons. Vrabel's high end was the AFC Championship. Frank Reich so far, I mean, uh, almost victory over the Bills.
1: Yeah, but Frank Reich also has the one playoff victory when he had Andrew Luck. And, you know, they lost in the divisional to the Chiefs. No shame in that. And then they lose as Andrew Luck. And of course, your team is going to be worse if you lose Andrew Luck. So I think Reich's just had bad luck in that respect. Vrabel also been ridiculously lucky.
0: Lucky, but every game he's in, I give him a chance. I never go into a game with the Titans and don't give him a chance to win, even in games in which I think they'll
1: lose. You know what that makes them? A second round exit. That is what a definition of a second round exit is, is that we know they're not as good as teams with elite players, but we also also, know that they're not going to get killed by anyone. That makes but them a second they round exit.
0: Have their elite players as well. Come on. They got the big man coming back. They got the big guy coming back. And AJ that's what Brown, gives them a chance. It's also a that is what gives himself. them a chance. They, they have some talent there. We'll just see because Tannehill has been the biggest question mark I've had with them. A little bit of regression there. Okay. Who else do you want to pick apart on me here? Who else? <sighs> did was You know, here?
1: now that we've had this conversation, I do realize like two through six in the AFC are pretty even. When we talk about the Chiefs are number one, then you have Titans, Bengals, Bills, Colts. I think you had the Patriots as the, the sixth best team in the AFC. Yeah, which... I
0: dropped them to 11, which I know might seem odd because I had them in the top 10 last week. And obviously they, they put it on the Jags. Uh, what was it? 50 to six or something? Final I, think score? The,
1: I think the Jaguars did have 10. I think they had yeah. a garbage time touchdown in there. So you could say, why would you drop a team that just put up a 50 burger? Well,
0: the way I looked at it was I had the Cardinals at 11 and the Cardinals beat the Cowboys and the Cowboys last week were five. So that's I mean, kind of how yeah. I rationalized
1: it. Let's do it in the AFC, like Buffalo. Buffalo. Buffalo slaughtered the Patriots. I know it wasn't that big a blowout on the scoreboard, but Buffalo slaughtered the Patriots. Colts two weeks ago won a head-to-head rather handily against the Patriots. Cincinnati. We all think Cincinnati's pretty good. And the Titans.
0: Yeah. I would
1: put the Patriots over the Titans, but the Titans are getting Derrick Henry back. So it's hard to put anyone over them because those teams are all Mm -hmm. so close together. And that explains eight through 10. Colts Cardinals Cowboys I have them lined up as such because Cardinals beat the Cowboys
0: Colts beat the Cardinals easy piece, I, I, I can
1: get that but I, I do think that I do think the Cowboys are are much better I think the Cowboys are probably the fourth best but team in what the was NFC. that
0: discussion we literally had last week when we talked the Cowboys are they mm-hmm. fraudulent this was their first good team they've had to play <laughs> in weeks and they lose yeah you can beat the hell out of Washington all you want you could beat up on the Giants the Falcons but you face a good team and I'll say this. Not just a good team, a good team that was on a three game losing streak that was backsliding into the playoffs and you lose that game and the Cardinals were firmly in control for a good point in that game. Yeah, I mean, I know the Cowboys made it a little closer towards the end, but the Cardinals pretty much from the start to finish were winning that game.
1: You know what I would describe the Cowboys as? A team that they're probably not going to beat a bunch of the really good teams, but also they're not going to get blown out by anyone. And you know what that makes the Dallas Cowboys? Diet Tennessee Titans. Second round exit, baby.
0: Okay, I will see that. But like, I guess 10 just feels like a good range for them because I'm also thinking head-to-heads here. Obviously at 11, I have the Patriots. So they had a close victory against the Patriots early in the year. By virtue, Cowboys get that win there. Head-to-head, they beat the Chargers too earlier this year. Okay, so they got a couple head-to-head wins there. They went head-to-head against my Niners. I couldn't tell you how that one's going to go. It's a potential playoff matchup. I I couldn't tell you how that one's going to go at this current juncture in time. But I do know that they lost to the Cardinals. I do think they would lose to the Colts. I think they would lose to the Bills. They face the Bengals here today. I think the Bengals would get them. And I think the Titans with a healthy Derrick Henry could get them. And then that's not even saying going into the top four of the Buccaneers, Rams, Chiefs, or Packers, but they've lost to the Chiefs. They could lose to the Rams, they've lost to the Bucks, and if they play the Packers, I think we know how that one will go.
1: Yep, for for tiebreakers cuz you brought it up, and I imagine when we get to our game preview we'll talk about this too, but there's about 98% certainty that the Dallas Cowboys are going to be the 4 seed in the NFC, and the only reason I say that is cuz they would need Tampa to lose to Carolina at home to not be the 4 seed in the NFC. So, the difference between 10 and 7 is not that big of a deal to me personally. It's not not as egregious as the Titans at five, which I found laughable because I would probably put the Titans at 11 Give or Give them their
0: head-to-heads, though I will say, I guess the only misnomer there is of course the Cardinals being at nine versus the Titans at five when the Cardinals, I guess in week one, but I, I think that's where I'm just like, it, it's week one.
1: That was just a weird game. That would, And by the way, the Cardinals also then had healthy DeAndre Hopkins, healthy J.J. Watt, healthy Max Williams, healthy guards on offense. Uh The Cardinals have just been decimated by injuries yeah, and it's not and the same team I that it was at the start have to
0: factor into the Cardinals ranking they were just coming off a three-game losing streak had that been a little bit prettier for them had they not had a loss to the Lions mixed in there then you know that changes the math
1: the first half Cardinals and the second half Cardinals are totally different teams I totally get that part of it like Arizona at the start of the year with with all those guys healthy you could argue might be the second best team in the NFC might be the third best team in the NFC now they're pretty clearly like the fifth best team in the NFC and I think that's just injuries I think that's the case for Arizona and nine is about right? Because they're like the fifth best team. The difference between the fourth and the fifth best team in the NFC is they could win or lose a playoff game in that way. Like the Cardinals could probably their likeliest scenario is go into Dallas in the wild card mm-hmm. weekend and beat the Cowboys. They just did it last weekend. They're probably going to play again in 10 days. So maybe they'll do it again.
0: Here's where I'll give you with the Titans. I did go back and forth with them on the Bengals. I really kind of struggled on flip-flopping the two there. In fact, I think right until the final hitting save to publish, I was back and forth on that one most, whether I wanted the Bengals to be top five or one of the Titans there at the five spot. I just asked myself in the playoffs, Cincinnati and Tennessee, I don't know how the math will work. Let's say they just face off with each other. You said it's probably one of the most unlikely ones to happen, but still.
1: Cincinnati would have to lose to Cleveland this weekend, but still, or they play in the AFC championship game and we just say to hell with everything we thought we knew. But if it happened, I would give edge to the team
0: that's been to the playoffs over the last couple of years versus the team that's making his first playoff appearance in multiple years and obviously you have a sophomore quarterback and a really good sophomore quarterback by the way a really fucking good sophomore quarterback with a really fucking good rookie wide receiver let's have this one real quick just quick take better weekend uh jamar chase or a zingbo from ohio state
1: uh, god both of them are insane the fact that they had combined 600 receiving yards between the two of them is just Ridiculous. We we you
0: talked about it, your fantasy matchup, man. You had Jamar. Shout out to you. I did have Jamar Chase. Let me give those flowers to you, my friend.
1: Two times in four years, I've won my fantasy football league now. Uh, Four years ago, it was on one Doug Baldwin falling backwards catch to win the championship. But two times in the last four years, I have won my fantasy football championship. But no one cares about anyone else's fantasy team. I will say that uh, in the case of this is maybe a bold take to go out there. With, but in the case of Cincinnati and Tennessee, I think both of them would get absolutely crushed by the Buffalo Bills if they faced off in the playoffs.
0: I struggle with that one because the Bills, yeah, they kind of righted the ship a little bit here. Obviously, game that win over the Patriots was a nice little turning point moment for them. Uh, their victory over Atlanta, though, was a little bit shaky. It wasn't as clean a victory as you would have liked for a team that you're considering a almost Super Bowl contender. They should have be up there competing with and yet, the Chiefs. they
1: won by 14 points, even though Josh Allen had a 15 passer rating in the game, which is the point I say about the Bills. They can win the AFC. And- and they can also lose to the Patriots at home in the wild card game. So, Buffalo, the AFC is wild except for the Kansas City Chiefs. And even the Chiefs might have to play Justin Herbert, or actually, the Chiefs' two options as a two seed. They'll either play Justin Herbert or they'll play Jonathan Taylor in the wild card game. And both of those are not easy for Kansas City.
0: Yeah, I would say if I was them, I would more prefer to face the chargers over the colts we can yeah. talk about
1: the chargers more when we get to that wonderful that's, game that, that's
0: true that's true well i guess with that said for the interest of time here uh any more objections
1: uh let's go deep into the archives of teams that really really don't matter
0: do you have a problem with me having the new york giants fall to 31 behind the jets
1: uh, not at all. The New York Giants are really freaking bad at football. I totally understand that That's point. That's
0: the Jake Fromm bump.
1: Still, still disrespected about the Saints. Still feel disrespect. I'm sorry, the New Orleans Camaras, as we're appropriately calling them, because as we'll find out, the Saints actually have a better chance to make the playoffs right now than the San Francisco 49ers. So uh, I will take the New Orleans Camaras and the disrespect of putting them at 18 over San Francisco.
0: Okay. You know, I think this is actually our transition into some game previews here because I do want to kind of like talk a little bit on, in on the Saints here so let's go into their game because that is actually going to be on our list so the Saints in week 18 will be facing the Atlanta Falcons and you ask, why do you have them at 18 why don't you trust the New Orleans Alvin Kamaras as you're calling them as you a proud member of the New Orleans Illumisante vouch for them so frequently on our podcast the reason I don't trust them is because this is an offense that as of going into this week hadn't scored a touchdown in 11 quarters. I don't think they're the New Orleans Alvin Kamaras. <laughs> I actually think they're the New Orleans Marshawn Lattimores. They're the New Orleans Marcus Davenports. They're the New Orleans Cam Jordans. This is a defense first led team that if they just had something at the quarterback position, they would be so much better off for it. And this is why Hell, I, I have them firmly in the Jimmy Garoppolo sweepstakes. I have them in the Russell Wilson sweepstakes. I have them just in the competent quarterback sweepstakes. And you know, you look at early on in the season when they had Jameis there one of my theories for why Jameis and the offense seemed like it was kind of boring was I thought it was just fighting against itself because it was almost Sean Payton just trying to limit Jameis Winston's opportunity to fuck things up as much as possible and now at this point in the season he doesn't even have that option on the table because Taysom Hill Ian Book this mismatch of quarterbacks I forgot Trevor Simeon in there it's just been so detrimental to their offense that if they do make it in the playoffs kudos to them but but I do not want to watch their playoff game.
1: Oh, absolutely. This is, But this is the problem is that there's only five good teams in the NFC, which means two of the NFC playoff games are going to be absolute blowouts. This is just the, the unfortunate reality of this season. If you
0: told me them, and this is no bias in this, if you told me the Niners were in there, I think they would give up more of a fight than the Orleans Saints will in their eventual playoff
1: game. Oh, 100%. The 49ers could beat the Cardinals. That's a fantastic matchup that they would have if, if they got to meet up. But if the 49ers lose this weekend they would be like the seven seed if the saints lose basically the 49ers have a win and in game is basically where it's at and in order for them to win and in that would mean they would play the arizona cardinals in the 6-3 matchup assuming the cardinals don't lose to the seahawks and all that stuff we'll get to the scenarios later but basically the saints need a win and a 49ers loss the saints win pretty easy they're playing the falcons and the falcons are and this is a direct quote uh from me the entire season ass they are really bad at football. They happened to win seven games this year because they were really lucky in one possession games, including the first time they played the Saints where Matt Ryan threw a Hail Mary down the sidelines to set up a game winning field goal. Falcons are terrible at football and the Saints are going to win this game unless the Saints offense just totally does stupid shit and takes them out of the game, which is basically the same thing the Colts are doing this weekend against the Jaguars is just don't do stupid shit. We're going to go to the playoffs. And the Saints are probably going to win that. The reason I've been calling them the New Orleans Camaras, and I wish they had like a car or something to describe the Camara or something. I know it's Camaro, but that'd be a cool logo. The reason I've been saying that all season is uh, they need like 35 carries from Alvin Camara in that playoff game that they're going to inevitably play against like the Rams or some shit. They're going to need a lot of Alvin Camara just to have a chance to be within 14 points. Because like you said, the Saints are probably the 18th best team in the NFL. You're probably correct in the power ranking analysis and yet even still they're gonna maybe make the playoffs and if it were up to me if it were my choice the 49ers and Saints would both be in the playoffs and we could get the shitty Eagles out of here but the Eagles have already clinched a playoff spot so we're gonna have to deal with the Eagles getting blown out by Tampa or getting blown out by the Rams and we can enjoy either the Saints or the 49ers if it were my pick I would pick the Saints but once we get to the 49ers game we'll talk about the intrigue now because of Trey Lance entering the conversation for San Francisco but I would still take the New Orleans Camaras because I've been on that hype train for the past four weeks of in the bottomless pit of hell that is the NFC seventh seed at least the Saints would be somewhat entertaining to watch in the playoffs
0: disagree I even like the Eagles more from an entertainment standpoint than the Saints I have watched those Saints the last three weeks I have no joy to be found in these games there is they just shut out no Tom Brady, trouble. though. Yes, and they also, for their troubles, had three field goals. A 9-0 yeah. game. What is this, the 1950s?
1: That game was fun. I don't care what anyone says. That game was fun.
0: That was fun from a meme standpoint only, because then we could say at least the New Orleans Saints own Tom Brady in the regular season, and that is what it is. But no. You're telling
1: me if we had a no. 9-0 playoff game, that wouldn't be like just absolutely legendary?
0: if it was baseball, if this was October <laughs> baseball, but no, I do not want to see it. And I can't even make the teams joke because New Orleans doesn't have an MLB team and they probably shouldn't even have an NBA team and they shouldn't have an NFL playoff team this season. That is why, you know what? Screw it. I'm two games behind you in this pick them. Now I've picked up Brown, <laughs> Atlanta Falcons rise up rise up guys come on it's a home game for you the last time you played the Saints you beat them 27 25 Trevor Simeon was the quarterback there Trevor Simeon Taysom Hill I don't know throw a dart and see what happens it's all same could be
1: Matt Ryan's last game in Atlanta forgot exactly. to mention that
0: send up Matty Ice on a high note the last time you played the Saints 343 yards uh, two touchdowns I don't know if that's going to keep up given that the Saints defense has been playing out of their mind lately but they, they've gotten bits and pieces back I actually a report. I don't, I don't know how true it is about Kelvin Ridley potentially like stepping back for them. But I, I don't know if they would be this season or this game, certainly, but I saw it this week, which was odd to me. But either way, I, you know, I'm just going to say this. I'm just going to go with the underdog here. It's actually not even that big of a line. I think it's only four and a half at this moment. I don't think what the Falcons. Screw it. Week 18. Think about it this way. There's a lot of teams in week 18 that just love to fuck over their rivals.
1: Never gamble on games with teams that are eliminated from the playoffs. You have no idea how they're going to respond. You have no idea what happens once you have nothing to play for. It's like the Texans all of a sudden were like, well, we're not playing for anything, so we might as well just go bonkers. And the Vikings basically said, eh, we don't really care anymore. <laughs> we're pretty much dead at this point. It's so impossible to figure out once teams are eliminated from the playoffs what's going to happen have the Seahawks won like three games in a row or some shit like that yeah. or oh no they lost no. To the Bears
0: I mean they, they had a great week against the Lions here they put, I think they also put up 50 this week but I agreed like teams are eliminated have a chip on their shoulder they love to screw over these teams that they know can make it especially in the Saints Falcons I know it's not much of a rivalry anymore at least to us the mainstream audience here of football but if you go into those NFC South conversations, Oh, these two teams have a lot of hate for each other. Obviously the uh, Mercedes arguments too of years past uh, between sharing stadium names practically.
1: Rest in peace to the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. Now the Caesars Superdome. You
0: know, I I will know that I have lost whenever Josh Rosen steps out on the field. We got to see some Josh Rosen last week. So
1: eh, yeah, I imagine that even if we want, the perfect exit would be one of two things for Matt Ryan. One, a classic Falcons chaos game, which is it's not going to happen because the Saints can't, but both teams score in the 30s, 350 yards, three touchdowns, one interception, and just dumb shit happening at the end of the game. Just a classic one last ride Falcons chaos game or Matt Ryan lying face first on the field looking very sad. By the way, Matt Ryan getting a taunting penalty against the Buffalo Bills this weekend. He scored a touchdown, got hit with a taunting penalty on jo- for taunting Jordan Poyer. Then they marked the ball down at the wall one on replay, 15 yard penalty. And Matt Ryan's like, Do you know how hard it is to get 15 yards with this crappy offense? Do you know how difficult it is to get 15 yards?
0: Yeah. You know, uh, some other positives, though. Obviously, you look at the Dolphins game from a couple weeks ago, too, um how Ian Book was on the run consistently in that game. If they're out if Ryan Ramschick in this game, then maybe the Falcons could get something going there. Defense. But let me
1: ask you this name a single pass rusher on the Atlanta Falcons.
0: Grady Jarrett, I still believe, exists out there. Yeah,
1: he's still there. That's a cheap one. Name a second one.
0: Maybe they send AJ Terrell on an exotic blitz.
1: (laughs) Can you name a third (laughs) defensive player on the Falcons?
0: Deion Jones. I think Dion Jones is still there.
1: Yes, he is still there. The answer I was looking for is Dante Fowler. He's still collecting 16 oh. million a year paychecks for that one year he played next to Aaron Donald.
0: Hey, don't disrespect the former number three overall pick. Oodles of potential there that we've talked about every year since he's been
1: drafted. Yeah, rapping. it was accessed. That oodles of potential was accessed only when you put him right next to Aaron Donald for a season.
0: Yeah, Dante Fowler uh, wishes that he was like Marcus Davenport. Talk about just potential that just was unlocked. Uh, I think the Saints are happy there. Davenport's also on their injury report here too. So that could also be a big loss for them. But yes, Falcons chaos game. Give it to me. Just week 18, send me off on a positive <laughs> note. Light me up, baby. Let's go. Okay. Uh, I think that this is the perfect transition to the big part of the equation for the NFC playoff picture here. Only right to talk about my Niners here after we talk about the Saints. So the Niners, of course, are facing the Los Angeles Rams. The Niners have won their last five meetings against these Los Angeles Rams. But there is the key part of the equation that they will be doing it without Jim, James, Jimothy Garoppolo under center as uh, Trey Lance um, will be suiting up for the 49ers rookie quarterback Trey Lance. He, of course, started last week against the Houston Texans, got his first win as an NFL starting quarterback, 16 of 23, a couple hundred passing yards, a couple touchdowns, one pick, about 30 rushing yards. It was a good day for the rookie. You know, we, we saw the flashes of brilliance there, but against these Rams, man. I know I always like to use ownage as ownage, but I, I, here's where I'm coming into this thing. It's an easy motivation for the Rams. It's an easy thing for Sean McVay. You talk about bulletin board material. We can win the division. This team has kicked our ass five straight times. Guys, let's ball up, if only for a week, to eliminate the team we hate. We talk about the reverse spectrum of an eliminated team, eliminating a team trying to make the playoffs. What about a team that has lost their last five matchups against the same opponent You don't think that they're motivated for this one? That's why I almost hate that the Ravens didn't have Lamar Jackson last week, and could potentially have ended this, Or that the Cowboys are a fraudulent team and couldn't have just, you know, beaten the Cardinals while they were backsliding, because it let the Rams come into this game highly motivated because they had something to play for because Sean McVay, if you told me they had nothing left to play for, we would have saw, I guess they don't have Sean Mannion anymore, but I, we would have saw whoever the backup quarterback, <laughs> quarterback is behind Matthew Stafford. Uh, it's
1: still Walford. It's still, still Walford. Walford.
0: Cool. Well, we would have saw Walford. No, instead we get the full compliment of Matthew Stafford. Now, is that a bad thing, though? Because Matthew Stafford, man, these last few weeks has... Definitely. I mean, the Rams are winning, but five interceptions in those last 53 dropbacks.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Those pick sixes, the one this past week against Baltimore,
1: mm-hmm. Joe
0: Burrow put up 525 yards against that JV level Baltimore Ravens secondary. But Matthew Stafford is just getting picked and picked. And I think he had a fumble too. What's mm-hmm. going on there? That That is my question here. You know, again, you know, I, I'm down in this one. So you know what? I'm going to defer analysis to you. I'm going to defer to you. See what well, we disagree this week. Or maybe All right, let's
1: it. start off with the let's start off with the Rams side of things. Uh, the Rams are in a position similar to the Buffalo Bills. Uh, like I said, Buffalo can win the AFC and they also might lose in the wild card to the Patriots. It's just it's which Josh Allen is going to show up. Rams, exact same situation. They could win the the entire NFC, go on the road to Green Bay and win a playoff game, or go on the road to Tampa and win a playoff game, and also they could lose to the Eagles. Like
0: I did have a quick update, quick like somewhat breaking for this game too before you get too deep into breaking down Matthew Stafford. The Niners' secondary hit by a bad case of the Rona. Jimmy Ward potentially out this game. Ambry Thomas potentially out this game.
1: I mean, that didn't didn't stop Matthew Stafford from throwing a pick six against the Ravens. I know know he had two interceptions in the game, but the the five picks on 53 dropbacks is misleading, but it's also, you know, does tell the story of Matthew Stafford because it is such a jarring stat. Like the difference between four interceptions and 53 dropbacks and five is still ridiculous ridiculously glaring as a statistic. Aaron Rodgers
0: four for the season. <laughs>
1: Exactly. But one of Stafford's in the the Ravens game was basically like a punt interception where he threw it from midfield 45 yards and it was picked off at the two yard line. So it was basically like a punt interception and it didn't really matter. But the point still being, he also had a pick six and one pick six was the difference between the Rams being seven point favorites against the Ravens like they were going in and sweating out a victory at the very end of the game. That one pick six can totally change a game. I remember uh, the Falcons played the Panthers a couple weeks ago when they were both still technically in the playoff race. And like one Cam Newton pick is the difference between the Panthers winning the game and the Falcons losing the game. And that's the entire difference between those two teams for the entire season. The Falcons have seven wins. Panthers have five wins. The only difference is Cam Newton threw one pick six in the game they played against each other. They're basically the same team. So if Matthew Stafford throws picks, they can lose to any one of those NFC teams because they're talented, but they're not talented enough to overcompensate against other talented teams, which they're going to pretty much all the way through in the playoffs, They'll be heavy favorites against the Eagles. That's the only matchup they're going to see in the playoffs. That would be an easy, you're going to be a heavy favorite matchup. If they played the Cowboys in the first round, which if they lose this game, they will play the Cowboys most likely in the first round. If they play the Packers in the second round, if they play the Bucks in the second round on the road, other than the Eagles, every team they're going to play the rest of the way is as talented as the Los Angeles Rams. So if they make the big mistake, which again, it might not happen, but it's more likely to happen with Stafford than it is with Rodgers or Brady or even Kyler Murray or even Dak Prescott, they might not have the talent to overcompensate for that. And they'll probably lose in the second round of the playoffs. Like we all kind of think the Rams are going to, because we think the Packers and Bucks are both better than the Rams. And they'll have to play one of those teams in the second round. So they won't be able to overcome the talent discrepancy and see if they make mistakes it's just a question of which Stafford is going to show up if Stafford plays three games where he has eight touchdowns and one interception maybe the Rams can win the Super Bowl if not you know then the Rams probably get bounced in the playoffs but I find that interesting is which Stafford is going to show up and that kind of begins with this game because they should beat the 49ers but they might not beat the 49ers because the 49ers at least have enough talent to take advantage of mistakes that the Rams have made this has happened a few times in Rams games this year it happened against the Packers where they lost because of a couple turnovers obviously the Ravens game they just escaped this week um, it's happened to, it's happened a few times to the Los Angeles Rams this year on the, the 49ers side of things y- you seemed so sad when you said Jimothy wasn't playing and that it was Trey Lance instead
0: yeah yeah I'm gonna be honest I think Trey Lance doesn't give us the best chance to win in this game be honest if I had a healthy Jimmy Garoppolo then I would prefer him to be starting this game the problem is I don't have a healthy Jimmy Garoppolo because he actually had a press conference today where he was talking about the thumb injury and he quote said it fucking hurts if a quarterback's talking like that and they can't grip the ball the chances of them starting seem very unlikely so I'm going to just say the Trey Lance is probably our starter going into this game
1: yeah I thought this was like a six-month injury that Jimmy Garoppolo has and they're just delaying surgery on it because it's the season's not over yet but Mm -hmm. it seems kind of insane but yeah Trey Lance is going to be the starter and I've been firmly 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 entrenched in the camp of Trey Lance should have been starting since week one for the San Francisco 49ers. He should have been starting the entire season for San Francisco. And the argument I made for the strongest point is you make this move for the next 10 years, you give up three first round picks and get ready to trade Jimmy Garoppolo because of the next 10 years. Making the playoffs as a seven seed, which is what I thought the 49ers would be coming into the season, was third best team in the NFC West. Now, I thought the Seahawks would be the second best team, but points still standing. Third best team in the NFC West does not really matter that much for the San Francisco 49ers. You should at least let Trey Lance get the start so that you figure out who he is. And I kind of got a nice little compromise, which was he didn't sit the entire season, he didn't start 17 games, he gets three restarts and a winner go home game the last week of the season to play in and maybe he gets a playoff game and all of that is important because trey lance getting the repetitions is important for the san francisco 49ers even if he's not going to be an elite quarterback like they hoped he was when they draft him at least you start to find out the answer to that at least you start to find out whether trey lance is the guy or isn't the guy or if he's just another jimmy garoppolo but he can run the ball i think Trey Lance is still going to be a really good quarterback I have no evidence to prove it one way or another I'm just going based off the fact that smart football people told me Trey Lance was going to be very very good at football and so I still believe he's going to be very very good at football I just thought 17 games of sample with a really talented 49ers roster would have really helped us start to figure out whether he was going to be that guy and for the 49ers that kind of should have been what this season was all about because if next season is going to be all about Trey Lance development then and why are we delaying the inevitable? Is it because you really, really care about that sixth playoff spot in the NFC? I'm going to say, yes, you do.
0: Any chance you have a chance to make the playoffs, yes, you do. That's maybe where we disagree, but I think that no year is guaranteed. The next year is not guaranteed. You play for today, you don't play for tomorrow, and I do think that Trey Lance, while he can benefit from playing time, and he has benefited from the two games of playing time that he's gotten, technically two and a half games of playing time he's gotten, there's still that old school thought that you can benefit from time sitting behind a veteran and we've seen some successful examples of course the standard bearer is Patrick Mahomes and Alex Smith well I guess technically you would say Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre but yes we we have seen examples of that being a good way to develop a quarterback too and yes I think it would be a huge failure if next year the Niners aren't competing for a playoff spot regardless of Trey Lance being his first year starting or not the expectation next year is also playoffs as well since you do mention we do have this team going I just look at where they are at this particular point in time on the field even watching the game last week where I mentioned the stats the stats are impressive the stats were good there's just these little flashes of things that you're not facing the Houston Texans every week you Facing the Los Angeles Rams, who have arguably a top 10 defense, at least have defensive playmakers that could burn you. And he doesn't seem like he's there yet. And particularly more so, and this is just game really into the weeds here, but technically sound. His hitchy delivery, that's an offseason project for the 49ers and one that they absolutely have to correct. And if it comes down to a winner go home game, I know Jimmy Garoppolo can beat the Rams because Jimmy garoppolo has beaten the Rams five times in a row. I know that Jimmy Garoppolo could get wins because Jimmy Garoppolo's career starting record with the 49ers is 30 and 13 versus Kyle Shanahan's record without Jimmy Garoppolo in the starting lineup, which is like seven and twenty eight or something absurdly bad. Also, two one of the big things Jimmy Garoppolo is. Doing Dealing with an injury again, which is a big part of this thing. I guess I get frustrated with the Jimmy Garoppolo conversation is because we talk about him so often as almost, quarterback 25 through 32 when he's probably on that fringe of quarterback 20 somewhere in that range like I,
1: there is a group for quarterbacks like Jimmy Garoppolo it is called quarterback purgatory which is they are still a a 10-year starter in the NFL but they might not be a 10-year starter with the same team they might play for two different teams as a 10-year starter they might miss the playoffs seven of those 10 years but they're still technically a 10-year starter in the NFL
0: And I think whatever franchise Jimmy ends up with next year, they'll be fine. They'll get a good quarterback in that deal. I'm just focusing on week 18 from the fan perspective. Who gives us the best chance to win? And even the head coach has said it. If Jimmy Garoppolo is healthy, we want him out there because he gives us the best chance to win. The teammates love him. George Kittle goes to battle for this guy each and every week because every fucking week he gets asked in a press conference, about Jimmy Debo gets asked about Jimmy every week Brandon Ayuk gets asked about Jimmy every week and they all say the same answers they're all supportive of Jimmy Garoppolo so I, I think that that's part of the Jimmy Garoppolo conversation now again bringing it back to this specific game because I've already made peace with the fact that I think Trey Lance is starting in this game Trey Lance will be fine as long as the Niners open up the playbook a little bit more because the play calling in that game against the Rams or against the Texans was so vanilla in the first half but they fixed it in the second half and that's where we really got to see him shine I just hope we see a little bit more of that than we got to see against the Texans hopefully I get to see the Niners win but um am curious to see what you do
1: here I, I understand if I want to give you an emotional hedge here uh, to the point of the 49ers throwing their support behind Jimmy Garoppolo whether it be Shanahan or whether it be George Kittle or whether it be Debo or whether it be I forgot who else he said in there someone else was throwing their support behind Ayuk. Ayuk. Oh, that's interesting because I have thought Lance was throwing to Ayuk a lot more. Like they had a little bit of a connection there. Not but... really.
0: I mean, towards the most recent stretch of games, Jimmy and Ayuk have found a little bit of something of rapport. Kyle, you should I... also a guy on the Jimmy Garoppolo support train.
1: I guess my question there would be that if we're playing for now and we're throwing our support behind Jimmy, then why the hell did we get Trey Lance in the first place? And
0: well, yeah, well, because Jimmy did give you a reason with the injuries. It's shitty that it had to come to that. but Jimmy Garoppolo did give you a reason to pursue another quarterback with the injuries. If Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't miss the year with the ACL or was healthy last year, we're probably not having this discussion. You know, it's probably a little bit more akin to Kirk Cousins in that how that's going in Minnesota, albeit I think a little bit more successfully because the Niners have better personnel and perhaps even better coaching than Minnesota does, but I think we would probably be talking about Jimmy Garoppolo more in that vein than we're talking about him as almost an Andy Dalton type. He's Far me, from an Addie Dalton type at this point in his career,
1: I, I think of him in quarterback purgatory, hanging out with, uh, hanging out with Derek Carr and hanging out with whatever's left of Ben Roethlisberger or Matt Ryan. But to the point, I'd ask you, as a f- host of a very popular 49ers podcast, I will say, if you had to do it over again, would you have made the Trey Lance trade?
0: see here's the thing i I think sometimes it gets you um painted unfairly to say like i'm anti lance no i'm very much in pro lance territory in the sense that trey lance was on my big board at the top of my big board as far as 49ers draft picks because i see the writing on the wall i saw the writing on the wall a year ago because of how divisive this subject has become in the fan base alone it's literally like a civil war for 49ers fans on twitter week in and week out between jimmy garoppolo trey lance jimmy garoppolo nick mullins jimmy garoppolo cj Beathard. Jimmy Garoppolo, Tom Brady, Jimmy Garoppolo, insert name of a non-existent quarterback at this point. Whether it was this year, next year, the year after, I just want the Niners to be set up for the future. I'm just looking at it through this 2021 season, since we did make the decision to have both Jimmy and Trey on the roster. Who gives the Niners the best chance to win now, 2021 and I think it was Jimmy and I think the better part about this is if Jimmy was playing Jimmy was active you could also flip Jimmy Garoppolo for trade value
1: to me it looks like the 49ers are hedging in the event that they're wrong because they're waiting a year to begin the development of Trey Lance as Again, you not- say
0: begin development though that's the buzzword is he not developing right now I think Kyle I think would he's back on that
1: in fairness he's probably developing but game reps are the way that you're going to find out if he's a good quarterback or not it's going to take 30 games with consistent, you know, thousand passing attempts to be able to decipher how good or how, that, whether see, he was that's great That's tough or not.
0: too, because if you just look at the game scripts that Kyle has written out for him in the games he has played, they've hedged more on his running ability than his passing ability. It's almost like they're trying to hide his ability as a passer at this current juncture in time. So I don't know what the right answer is for what's going to be the best for Trey Lance's development moving forward. But what I can tell you is there are examples of both. There's examples of the guys who got in and played and had success. And there's guys who went in and sat and played the next season and had success. Mm-hmm. We just won't know the answer till next year. And to act like we know the answer now, I think would be a false narrative.
1: I think nobody knows the answer, but the 49ers should find out whether they have it or not. And with that, I'm going to take the Los Angeles Rams to win against the 49ers.
0: Okay, fine. Then you know what? Put it on the board. I'm going with the Niners. I'm just going with my team. I might as well ride with the ship here. If I'm on the Titanic and I'm with the violet Bi- in just playing it uh let's sing it out boys then it is what it is but going out with you faithful that was that was a long preview that was a long preview how do we transition i say we transition by staying in the nfc what do you say? I say we do that. Let's talk about the Eagles and Cowboys because that's another game with some playoff implications for at least one team. The Eagles don't necessarily have the same amount of stakes at play as the Cowboys do. Eagles are at least locked into a playoff spot. What playoff spot that ends up being still to be TBA there, but for them, but it, it doesn't really matter as much uh, between 6-7 whatever we're talking here. The Cowboys, like I said, they're coming off that embarrassing loss to the Cardinals. I only say embarrassing because the Cardinals were in a funk and The Cowboys just came in with no energy, no level of urgency. They had an opportunity at the one seed if they played it right. A slim opportunity, but they had an opportunity at the one seed, and they didn't even necessarily come out with that same vigor to go after and pursue it that you would like. And this is just a thing. Is it coaching? Is it Mike McCarthy? Is Dak the right guy? Is their defense a paper tiger? There's a lot of questions that the Cowboys have left on the table because they were not able to just do what they needed to do and beat a good team. Because, again, just looking at that schedule, we went through their schedule last week. It went through the wins and the losses are a lot against a lot of good teams to average teams and the wins are against a lot of bad teams. So what are the Cowboys? Are they good team? Are they a bad team? We know the record says they're a good team, but if they go into a matchup against a good team in the playoffs, which spoiler alert, the playoffs have a lot of good teams. How will they do? How far can they go?
1: Not only that, the Cowboys, if they want to run through the gauntlet of the NFC, they have to go through three good teams because uh, Sunday was what I like to call market correction day, which is the entire season, the Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys have been the four seed in the NFC. They have been on a collision course for the four seed in the NFC. Why? Because the Cardinals were better than them, because the Packers were better than them, because the Bucks were better than them. Then the Cardinals got hurt. The Rams started playing better. The Cowboys were on a collision course for fourth seed in the NFC, play the five seed, who is probably going to be the NFC West team that doesn't win the division. And it's going to be a really fun game. It's going to be really fun to watch that game. And it looked like the Cowboys, like you said, had a chance to be the one seed. That would have made no sense. It'd be like the Titans being the one seed in the AFC right now. That doesn't make any sense. But the Cowboys are going to be the four seed like we thought it was going to be since October. They'd been on that collision course. They've had a great season. They're going to be the four seed. Well, according to me, because I had the Rams winning, they're going to play the Cardinals in that wild card game. And if they beat the Cardinals, they'll go get stomped at Lambeau. If they lose to the Cardinals, they lose to the Cardinals. It's a fairly even matchup. That's market correction for the Cowboys. The Cowboys are a second round exit type of team. The Cowboys expect to lose in the second round this year. I think reason the Cowboys should expect to win a playoff game and lose in the second round. Similarly to what they did, um, I think it was three years ago now when they beat the Seahawks with that game where Dak Prescott like dove the ball over the goal line. And then the week after that, CJ Anderson had like 200 rushing yards against them or something.
0: Correct me if I'm wrong here. Have the Cowboys not even made an NFC championship game in close to 30 years?
1: You you would be correct. The Dallas Cowboys have not done that. And the thing with the Dallas Cowboys, and this was Something that just made me absolutely like just stop in my tracks. I watched one episode of Hard Knocks this year. I watched one episode. And when Dak Prescott and Zeke Elliott did the episode together at the beginning and they said this was year six together, I had a mini midlife crisis moment because I'm like, this can't be year six of Dak and Zeke. They were the one seed as rookies together. They were one Aaron Rodgers toe tapping pass from being in the Super Bowl. It can't be six years of Dak and Zeke. And it's been six. Six years of Dak and Z. It feels like they've been basically the same team for about five years now they've basically been kind of the same team with ebbs and flows like last year Dak shatters his ankle and they go six and ten so to answer your question who are the dallas cowboys the cowboys are exactly who the cowboys have been because it's the exact same team from three years ago yes the guys are a little bit older amari Cooper's not the same receiver he once was but just add cd lamb into the mix and now you've got a super dynamic offense and it's still kellen Moore as the offensive coordinator demarcus lawrence isn't the player he once was well let's just slide Micah Parsons in there. Jalen Smith isn't the same player he was. Let's just slide Leighton Vander Esch in there. The Cowboys are basically the same team they've been for the past four years. And I think they're going to beat the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday, get the number four seed in the NFC playoffs. And if the 49ers do beat the Rams, the Cowboys have a ballpark chance of sliding into the number two seed. If the Buccaneers also lose to the, uh, the Buccaneers lose to the Carolina Panthers.
0: So not bloody likely there. Um, Nope. What I would say here is, uh, by the way, you missed a perfect opportunity to quote the late Dennis screen there. They are who we thought they were. And I will say, though, Micah Parsons, he is showing up currently as out on this injury report. So that might be a big, interesting story to take a look at here. Obviously, the soon-to-be defensive rookie of the year, Micah Parsons, not being in that starting lineup. Quite a bit of a hit to that Dallas Cowboys defense, I would say, there. The last time these teams played, it was, uh, I believe, a Monday night game, and they didn't even look like they were in the same ballpark as each other.
1: Was that the game where Jalen Hurts said you just have to flush the poop and move on? Is Is that the game I'm thinking of? Yeah. You know, the Eagles have given us
0: a lot of great press conferences this year. I do tend to lose track of when they happen. Like, we start off the year with Nick steriani just stumbling his way through his opening press conference. Then we get that great Jalen Hurts jam, as you mentioned. And also, you know, I got to say, I haven't personally heard this one. I've only seen the quotes here, but Nick steriani also talked about looking at flowers or something like that. Well, since the flower speech, they've really come on strong. And, you know, it's weird. I feel like I've grown a level of attachment to this Eagles team as they've kind of came out of nowhere and risen to being obviously a playoff team this year. Like you would say Nick Sirianni for all his faults, all the jokes, all the Jokes at his expense. He should be firmly in that coach of the year discussion, just given what the Eagles have done this season. Oh, God.
1: A, oh, no. I know it sounds like a no thing,
0: but no. I was talking about this team yeah. like a four win team heading Oh, into
1: I was too. I wasn't, I, I didn't know what to do with them at the start of the year, but I was looking around. I'm like, are they tanking? Like, they could be a team you argue is tanking, but they didn't get rid of anyone other than Carson Wentz this offseason. Like, they had a chance to, to get rid of everyone. Like, Miles Sanders is a free agent. At the end of the year, Brandon Graham's a free agent at the end of the year, Fletcher Cox still has value. I I was just kind of confused what they were. And then they signed Steven Nelson, like right before the season started. I was like, I don't know what to do with them at this point. And in fairness, the reason the Eagles are in the playoffs is because unlike all of the other teams in the bottomless pit of hell, that is the NFC seventh seed. They're like eight and one against teams that are below 500. So they happen to play an NFC East schedule that was really easy and didn't have any of those Weird losses to like the Lions or the Falcons. So, their
0: Giants loss was pretty bad, though.
1: I I remember their Giants loss, but that's the only one, though.
0: (laughs) That that one though, like uh, three, see that that's where it comes down to. How do the Eagles win ball games? The Eagles win ball games by Jalen Hurts not turning over the football. Because when they lost to the Giants, three interceptions, like a hundred passing yards, <laughs> it was a terrible performance. There
1: they win because they play in the same division as the Giants and Washington, and they're able to go three and one against the Giants and Washington. Hey. And also, there's only five good teams in the NFC.
0: Yeah, and I'm not convinced even the Cowboys. Boys, maybe may be one of them. So you know what? Screw it. I'm going with the Eagles too. I'm just going like <laughs> across the board here. Just we're here to fight on this one, Kyle. I'm going with the Eagles. You know what? I'm either going to win seven by seven or underdogs. lose by
1: three. I'm going to be yeah. so pissed.
0: There's seven point underdogs at this one. Actually, you know, I, before I so boldly proclaim that, I kind of wonder Eagles motivations in this game. They don't really have anything to benefit from it. No, nah, it's the mm-hmm. Cowboys. It's the Cowboys. I feel as though the Eagles are one of those teams, like, you know, you kind of. I, I would say the, for that one. I,
1: I would say the Cowboys have nothing to play for but this game is now flexed onto Saturday so the Cowboys don't technically know if Tampa Bay or Carolina is going to do some dumb shit and Tom Brady's going to throw four interceptions but I, I love the I new think,
0: NFL flexing policy very sneaky sis
1: yeah why are we why a Chiefs Bronco why is Vic Fangio on my TV on primetime explain this to me NFL I demand an explanation why are you putting Vic Fangio on my gut go- and Drew Locke by the way Vic Fangio and Drew Locke on my primetime television why why are you doing this because they know that you'll be watching anyway that you're a lock to tune in you know what no piss off nfl i will not watch. I, I as much as i love patrick Mahomes, as much as i love the chiefs who you're screwing out of the number one seed i don't know how your tiebreakers work but in no world should the titans be the one seed over the chiefs
0: well 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 hold up here if you're saying they're screwing over the chiefs because of tiebreakers the titans did beat the chiefs my friend by a lot yeah, to but a little
1: the chiefs should also by be 13 and three little. and the titans Should be nine and seven. Count, count, count. Say it with me by a lot to a little. It was, yes. But also, the Chiefs are a 13 and three team on paper, and the Titans are the Titans. So, you know what uh, you can do
0: with the paper? You can just, this this is what paper is. You're going to rip
1: it. Yeah.
0: Uh, You know, I'm actually going to, Kobe. See, that went in. We can't tell, not even
1: on the TV broadcast. Um, Should should we, Mm. should we move to the next game as a perfect transition there?
0: Maybe we should, uh, you know, um, which game should we move on to though? I mean, we have one more game in the NFC. Uh, I think we only have one AFC game this week. That's kind of weird, but we uh, do
1: because there's not much to play for in the AFC at this point. Everything's pretty much locked in.
0: The AFC one is a great main event ender. I mean, the NFL agrees with us, obviously putting it as their Sunday night main event here. Uh, So Mm -hmm. let's go ahead and stick with a somewhat of, a end of an end-of-an-era game here coming into this one. Potentially end-of-era. I mean, it's a lot of speculation here, but we talked about one prime time, a big game in the NFC West. Let's have another NFC West battle royale because we have the Seahawks versus the Arizona Cardinals. Now, Arizona, obviously, they still have an opportunity to win the NFC West, depending on what happens against the Niners and Rams. Arizona is a six-and-a-half point favorite going against the Seattle Seahawks. Well, I mentioned end-of-era because one of the big reports coming out this week was Either Russ is going to be on this team or Pete's going to be on this team, but neither are going to be on this team together. And even them being on this team at all is still a very subjective kind of conversation that's going on as far as the Seahawks' future and what's going to happen there. Uh, So this could be Russ's last game in Seattle. So definitely a landmark type game to talk about, regardless of the implications in the NFC West. Uh, Like I said, this is a almost touchdown favorite for Arizona, but Russ has shown signs of getting healthier throughout the year so i think we're starting to see at least a peaking seattle team as opposed to what we saw when he initially came back off of that finger injury there they put up 50 against the lions for whatever it's worth i I know the (laughs) lions we don't think much of but you put up 50 against any team that's still somewhat noteworthy they had a shootout type game against the chicago bears a couple weeks ago chicago's coming down strong in the last couple weeks you know seattle i wouldn't be surprised if you told me they can pull upset against again arizona team that prior to their win against the cowboys it dropped three straight and speaking of Detroit. Arizona lost to Detroit in there too. Mm -hmm.
1: Seattle right now looks exactly like the team Seattle was supposed to be this year if Russell Wilson didn't miss six games, which is the seventh seed in the NFC. Seahawks are playing like the seventh seed in the NFC, and that's what they should have gotten. Like even with Russell Wilson playing bad this year, which, you know, Russell Wilson wasn't awful this year, but he just wasn't, you know, elite. He was kind of somewhere in the middle. Even with that, they still had enough talent to be the seventh seed in the NFC this year. It's just Russell Wilson missed six games in the middle of the season. And that's the difference uh, in winning eight games or winning 10 games or winning seven games and nine games. Cause I keep forgetting they lost to the bears in my head. I associate that as a win for the Seahawks, but they technically lost to the bears in that snow game. Uh, also SDSU Aztecs fight. I'm wearing the, the Kawhi Leonard shirt because I grew up three minutes away from San Diego state's campus. Uh, Rashad Penny, 500 rushing yards in three games against the Houston Texans, Chicago bears and Detroit lions, uh, Uh, Teams that we would not argue are great rushing defenses, but Rashad Penny, 500 rushing yards and five touchdowns in three games for the Seattle Seahawks. And he's going to he's going to do the Kenyon Drake thing where the Cardinals paid Kenyon Drake $10 million because he had four touchdowns in a game against the six and 10 Browns. So someone's going to pay Rashad Penny $5 million this year. It's going to be really confusing when they do, but someone's probably going to do it. Might be even the Seahawks now that I think about it. I guess the part I wanted to talk about with Seattle is I haven't heard one good reason for why the Seahawks. Seahawks should fire Pete Carroll like I've heard reasons for why but none of them have actually been good for why the Seahawks should fire Pete Carroll at this point
0: it's just stale it is everything's grown stale I guess is probably the only thing you would say really and like you said is that a good reason is that a bad reason that's kind of like one of those standard NFL reasons it's like why is Andy Reid no longer the coach in Philadelphia things grew stale I mean he had one bad year but obviously you would say Andy Reid's running success in Philadelphia should have said he was still the coach there for 20 years
1: well I'd ask the Seahawks like do you want to suck for the next 3 years? This is this is a totally real question. Like do you want to go through the rebuild for the next 3 seasons cuz you get all your draft picks back after this year. Like you the Jamal Adams trade picks are back, the Carlos Dunlap trade picks are back after this year. You get all your picks from 2023 going forward. So you can tear it all down right now and have a shit ton of draft picks and you're going to suck next year and the NFC West is really good right now. Like there's a legitimate argument to be made for tear- it all to the ground, you know, just clear house and let John Schneider try and recreate the magic they had with the Legion of Boom. Like there is an argument to be made for it. But do you want that if you're Seattle? If that's what you want, then you could fire Pete Carroll and hire a worse coach than Pete Carroll. Like you could fire the seven and a half million a year coach and hire the $3 million Nathaniel Hackett to go through your rebuild or something like you can do that if you want. But I just I would ask Seahawks, is that what you want? Because that's the only argument I could make for firing Pete Carroll is we're actively choosing to hire a worse coach than Pete Carroll
0: yes it's a matter of want versus need I don't think anyone wants to blow this up if you're a Seahawks fan why would you want to blow it up I mean Russ Pete, they've given you so much more memories than you had in the previous 40 years of Seahawks football. So it, it's not something they want to do. I, I guess it's a question, is this something you need to do? And it gets a little harder when you consider stuff like uh, Russ's contract, when you consider stuff like the talent on this team isn't as good as it was. We talked about with Jim Harbaugh, tractor versus trailer. I think that Russ is a tractor, but we haven't seen him be able to um, do it this year. Like he, the hole that the Seahawks have put on his back is definitely a a little bit too, uh, too much for a lot of teams, especially an aging quarterback like Russ is starting to become, who's been doing a smoke and mirrors act for a decade. And now, you know, we're starting to see the fruits of the labor start to come due here. Um, and I, I think it's just, you need a change. You need to move in a direction, whether it's up, down, sideways, you just need to show that you're doing something to actively make this team better. And I don't know what the right move to make this team better is. I mean, are they a worse team if Pete's gone? Or are they?
1: I think undoubtedly they are. if you get rid of all of these pieces you're going to be a worse team but the the counterpoint to this is and I make jokes about them all the time is the Minnesota Vikings were at a crossroad after the Case Keenum year and they said we're going to sign up for three years of Kirk Cousins we're going to sign up for three years of we're going to try and keep it all together and it didn't really work like they were still fine but they never got back to where they were they they had the one playoff win against the Saints and a couple missed playoff appearances and then they signed up for Kirk Cousins again because they were like, We're not ready to tear all of this to the ground. We just got Justin Jefferson. Dalvin Cook is still in his prime. Like, we're not ready to get rid of all of this yet. Have the Vikings been good the last two years? No. Are the Vikings going to get better? Probably not. Maybe they signed someone, but they don't have a ton of cap space at this point. But the Vikings have said, We're not ready to go to the bottom of the draft. We're not ready to spend three or four years. I think the reason for that is because Mike Zimmer and, and Rick Spielman, the general manager, are going to get fired if they do that. But the Vikings decided we're fine just being in the middle and fighting it out for a playoff spot. That's Mm kind of where the Seahawks are at, except I'd argue the Seahawks are in a better situation because Russell Wilson is a Hall of Fame level quarterback. And there's a pretty good chance he'll still be that in the next few years. Like I know he's 34 and Matt Ryan's 36 and he's starting to age out. But I
0: tell you, I just do not envy whoever the head coaches of Seattle or whoever the offensive coordinators are for Seattle, because an unfortunate trend too with Russ as well is how coaches under Russ don't necessarily benefit from having Russell Wilson, especially at the offensive coordinator position. You look at the track record of OCs, none of these guys are OCs in Seattle end up becoming head coaches. So if you're the new head coach in Seattle, you're going to get a lot of blame or criticism if the team is just not an instant contender because you have Russ as your quarterback. And a thing that uh, I've also kind of like lived off the principle of and have thought about it was uh, there was a statistic last year, I believe we'll that a team hasn't won a Super Bowl with a quarterback taking over 12% of their salary cap since Steve Young in the 90s.
1: Yeah, this is the trend is that at a certain point, you can't compete with teams that have the quarterback on the cheap contract. I think only the special special quarterbacks can defy that rule, but even for them, it's difficult. I think part of that is also Tom Brady kind of cheats the system a bit because he always took pay cuts to the point with the Seahawks is if Russell Wilson, if he demands a trade this offseason and is willing to make it ugly and he forces your hand, that answers the question for you anyways, is that you're forced into let's maximize value on Russ, let's Fire Pete Carroll. Let's trade Tyler Lockett. Let's trade Bobby Wagner. Let's just clear house. Cause if you're going to trade Russell Wilson, you got to trade everybody. If you're going to trade Russell Wilson, everyone's got to go and you got to, you know, start from scratch. Unless, unless one of the teams that's involved also has a young generational quarterback, which I don't think any team would trade a young generational quarterback for Russell Wilson. I, I don't think anyone who knows they have a quarterback is going to get rid of Russ. But even still, if you're going to trade Russ, you got to tear it all to the ground. Maybe Russ is finally willing to stop being corporate Russell and is willing to actually make things ugly and risk alienating the fan base in Seattle in order to get out of there. He wasn't willing to do it last offseason. Maybe he's willing to do it now. If that forces their hand it answers the question anyways, but I'm operating under the assumption that Russ is going to be the company man who wants, who said not less than four weeks ago in just the most cliche line ever, you know, Derek Jeter played for the same team for 20 years and Michael Jordan played for the same team for 20 years except michael jordan didn't play for the same team for 20 years kobe bryant played for the same team for 20 years and it'd be cool to be one of those players is there a
0: matthew stafford possibility for russ because matthew stafford went to the lions is like hey guys i I just think it's time you know it's time that we move in a different direction i don't think necessarily all trade situations have to be as toxic as we've seen the more notable examples of toxic trade situations become um I, i think that there is a mutual agreement to be made there in the sense that the Seahawks are at that crossroads where, yes, you said, in a year they're going to be past this jamal adams trade and past this losing all their draft picks but they still could benefit from getting a bushel of draft picks now that would be a huge yeah. for that team if they could get that whereas russ you know he's at this point where can i win another super bowl just for my legacy standpoint can i at least get that second ring even though we all agree he's a hall of famer the lack of mvp obviously is going to hurt him in the grand scheme of whatever his legacy is so at least if i could get that second ring locked up then i'm going to be looking Looked on more fondly when people talk about the greatest quarterbacks of all time I think the only trades that make sense and I think you kind of alluded to this is if I could get a quarterback back that's why I liked to Las Vegas when that was a possibility floated because I think Derek Carr to Seattle would be at least a good trade for them you know I mean you can make arguments Miami Tua you know if you got Tua back would Seattle be okay with that hell even Davis Mills who might be the second best rookie starting quarterback no. we've had this year no no uh, we're not doing, doing
1: that Davis Mills <laughs> shit
0: <laughs> you can't trade him to the Giants because do you want? Or I mean, you can trade him, well, Giants, well we no, can trade him to the Giants, but you. no, you can trade him to the Giants,
1: you can trade him to the Giants. So this is the part also about uh, you were saying whether you can have. Uh, this is also a long preview on this game, but yeah, in yeah, the same like, vein, kind of yeah, in the same vein of the the Stafford. Can they have an amicable parting of ways? It's a matter of whether the Seahawks want to tear it all down because the Lions decided. Yeah, we we want to go through the three year long rebuild. We're going to. Be terrible, but we're gonna to get top picks, and that's the way we're gonna try and turn this around. I said it during the draft, and I still say it now. It might suck right now, Lions fans, but at least it looks like your team has a plan, and that should be very exciting. If the Seahawks are going to trade Russell Wilson, the best way to do it, tear it all to the ground. Start <laughs> start Geno Smith at quarterback next year, start the Glennons or the Jake Fromms at quarterback next year. Like guarantee that you can get the number one pick so that you can draft Bryce Young or CJ Stroud or whoever the generational quarterback is. In 2023 or even draft a generational edge rusher if there's one of those in 2023 if you're trading Russell Wilson make sure you get the highest possible pick you can get in the 2023 draft and that's probably going to be either from your own draft pick or the New York Giants being incompetent and somehow you ending up with the number two pick like the or like the Dolphins did last year with the Texans first rounder
0: who's winning in week 18
1: oh yeah I forgot about that Uh, Cardinals are going to win the game doesn't really matter I'll take Arizona but if the Rams win the Cardinals are the 5 seed anyways <laughs>
0: I'm going to go with Seattle. I am going to go with Seattle. I'm going to go with that kind of storybook close, that magic in the air type flowers coming down from the sky type ending for Russ and his tenure in Seattle or Pete Carroll and his tenure in Seattle. Whoever is gone, they're at least going to have a storybook close to this chapter of their book. And I
1: would definitely take the Seahawks plus six and a half. But if you're asking me straight up, I would take the Cardinals.
0: Well, we live and die by straight up here. And I would say, I'm just saying, I, I could see. This being one of those chaos Seahawks type games. And even though, again, they beat the Cowboys, I don't think the Cardinals are fully off the hook for their late December slide. I think that there is some things that they still have to answer. And I think it would suck for them to have to go into the playoffs on a whimper, but I could 100% see a possibility of it happening. I'm, you know, there's a lot of questions there. And maybe that's for another podcast. Maybe that's for their playoff preview. But (laughs) for the interest of moving into the next game, let's close out the show on a strong note. Let's go into the main event the NFL regular season main event. The Los Angeles Chargers will be going into Las Vegas as three point road favorites. And obviously we talked a lot of Raiders on the show. This was a very Raiders dominated podcast. So if you're listening to just a segment, go back and listen to the start, go do it. But what I will say is, um, didn't expect we'd be here. I did not expect we'd be here. Certainly, especially when we did the Colts Raiders preview last week, we're both on the Colts. We thought there is no way in hell that this Raiders team is going against the Colts. Have just been playing their best ball and winning, but then Carson Wentz had other plans, and here we are. The Raiders are in a win or in, do or die game here for the final AFC Wild Card spot. Which I know there's the popular meme that yes, Jacksonville could beat the Colts, and then they could just tie it out. But no, that's not happening, folks. That's not a thing. So just let's let's just stomp that possibility. Fun little nugget, but not a thing that's happening. It's either going to be the Raiders or it's going to be the Chargers winning this one. Now I know. From a entertainment standpoint, we would love to see a possibility of Justin Herbert in the playoffs. We would love to see Justin Herbert out there in the playoffs, living his best life, throwing touchdowns, having a good time, representing those good old Los Angeles Chargers. But and round the,
1: three of Herbert versus Mahomes,
0: possible round three of that as well, which was one of the best Thursday night games of the year. Even though we talked about fast food and other stuff on that entire breakdown of that, but that's another fun thing to go check out as well. But from a narrative standpoint, I gotta say this race. Team, man, I tell you what, they put have a lot of fight. Come on, we got a little brood in here? Come on,
1: Kyle. You I got it somewhere. Let me get it deep in the archives here. Hey, mm, I'll pull you up, man. We got ourselves a hell of a matchup here in week 18. How about that? A week 18 for the first time. How about that? Uh, now, Coach Gruden, what have yeah. you been up
0: to in the last few weeks?
1: Yeah. Dirty Gruden's not ready to come out yet. I'm not, I'm not still not ready to debut Dirty Gruden at this point, but I hope people got that on the video. I just for people listening on audio. I just turned off my zoom camera to, to disappear as Dirty Gruden. So, uh, yeah, no, but only, only talking about week 18 and the the Las Vegas Raiders man at nine and seven, even though they should have lost to Nick Mullins three weeks ago, man, I'll tell you what, the Raiders, ah, gosh, what a year. What a year, man. What a year for the Las Vegas Raiders going from being five and two to going to six and seven and beating the Browns. And uh, I think they I think I think, oh, God, Dirty Gruden's running out here. Uh, I think <laughs> they they beat the Broncos by only like four points. It's like 17 yeah. 13. Marching
0: of victory has not been very strong in these wins here.
1: Yeah, or offensive output hasn't been strong either. They also have done this without one. Baller, which is the other surprising part. So yeah, think, no uh, kidding.
0: I think they get him back for this game too, which is a big boost for their offense, obviously. But the, I guess the bottom line, and I've, I've alluded to this before, just I, I just don't think that they're as good offensively play calling. Even though uh, we had a taste of Gruden here on this game preview here, they could use a taste of Gruden in their locker room from a standpoint of offensive play calling because Greg Olson, Riz spaccio they just aren't good. <laughs> right, well, spaccio I'll give credit to him. He is a good special teams coach and that's where he belongs. As opposed to being the head coach of a contending team here in early January, because now that's the new standard of NFL football. Early January is what we're talking about for potentially making the playoffs here. <laughs> but Rich Sciacca normally should not be in the spot, but because of odd circumstances, here he is. Greg Olson, on the other hand, should just not be in the spot because Greg Olson is a terrible offensive play caller, and I will <laughs> stand by that till the end of the time. He's up there with Todd Downing, who I guess technically I've been praising because I've been high on the Titans, but that's you know whatever. Todd Downing. Do your thing, whatever.
1: What about that guy who was also the, the offense, like Todd Munkin, I think, was like the offensive yeah, coordinator for the Browns.
0: It, it, listen, we got Matt Canada walking around there in Pittsburgh as well. Yeah. There, there's plenty of bad OCs there, but I just think Greg Olson, you would probably put in your bottom tier if we were doing some power rankings of all the OCs. And I think another part of that, that's obviously hurt Derek Carr. His numbers are far from where they were at the start of the season. Derek Carr was on pace to set all these NFL records at the start of the season, but we have not seen that Derek Carr in weeks we've seen some good hunter renfro recently so shout out to hunter renfro for being
1: <laughs> one of the most dynamic it's such callers, bullshit that he's got 1400 yards that's i can't let this get by it's such bullshit that he has 1400 receiving yards this year it's just ridiculous <laughs>
0: haters gonna hate third and renfro
1: oh i love renfro i also love the former padre hunter renfro no hunter renfro was amazing he was the guy who was 38 years old with three children at clemson and now he's also apparently 25 and has been balding for eight years. It's kind of incredible, but yeah, no, I I feel like uh Car's numbers started going down as soon as Waller got hurt. I can't confirm that, but it feels like a ballparky true thing. I
0: think Rugs too definitely you know has been an impactful one. Yeah, ultimately but ultimately but they kind of just plugged numbers. into
1: Sean Jackson and kept it moving at that Not point. Really, but
0: I mean, he just doesn't have you know at this point in his career doesn't have as much in his bag as oh, like
1: certainly you know. true, certainly true, but at the same point, the Raiders have just kind of kept it moving. It, it confirms the point that I say, which is Derek Carr is as good as the team you put around him, which is a pretty good bar to hit. Like He's the 15th best quarterback in the NFL, and that's still pretty good. We've had a principal all year, and if I bail now, then who am I? This game is a total coin toss. Let me just put it out there. This game's a total coin toss. You could flip a coin to decide who wins. Total coin toss. Raiders are not that talented. Chargers have palpable flaws all across the off- the defensive line. Offensive line needs some help. They're about two weapons short on offense, like noticeable holes on the Chargers. But we've been saying all year, whenever you think the Raiders are good, whenever you start to think in your mind that the Raiders are a good team, they are not. This has been true for 20 years. And if not true now, then when will we ever stand by our principles that the Raiders are not allowed to be good at football? So I'm taking the Chargers to win, get the seventh seed and play Patrick Mahomes on wildcard weekend. (laughs)
0: <laughs> what are we if we don't have our principles? But what are we if not entertainers? And that is why, you know what? Let's just screw it. Five out of five. I'm going with it. Raiders, we're going to disagree across the board, you know, see how the final chips land where they may. Uh, it's going to be
1: so perfect when you get the first three right and then the Cardinals win and then the Raiders win at the yeah. very or the, the Cardinals and the Chargers win at the end. And then I still get to win the tournament. Or I just
0: go 0 and 5 and we'll just call it a day. But no, I, I think we'll, I'll probably have. Have some it's week 18 we'll have some stupid bullshit happen here i'm sure but nonetheless sure. i don't know man I, I don't believe in the raiders per se here I, I look at the team like we mentioned their flaws offensively defensively they can give you a different team each and every week because they certainly have playmakers they're not for lack of playmakers on this current iteration of the raiders defense and the last time they played the chargers the chargers obviously ran away with the victory i believe that was also a monday night football game as well but i think similar to how we were looking at Cliff Kingsbury and questioning him. I'm starting to look at Brandon Staley. I'm starting to look at Justin Herbert. I'm starting to look at the Chargers and question how much that they're willing to play hard in these late December games, these January games, these games that matter for the playoffs. I mean, how do you drop a game against the Texans like they did a couple weeks ago? (laughs) When you you know the playoffs are on the line, this is a team that we should just run over, and you get dropped by the Houston Texans. I I think that they just have that little bit of out that creeps in your mind you talk about you know the principles of the Raiders counting on the Chargers is also like one of those things too that I have a hard time believing you relate more than I do you grew up watching worse Yeah, yeah way worse you grew up with the San Diego Superchargers here, my friend. And oh yes, many many tortured years. You and grew up with re- what was it, tw- two thousand six, two thousand seven, with the Marlon McCree fumble, and
1: I was a child for Marlon McCree. My earliest football memory was the Peyton Manning Super Bowl against the Bears, and that was two weeks after Marlon McCree. So we have Marlon McCree. We have Philip Rivers tearing his ACL and still playing in the AFC Championship game. We have losing to the Jets after winning fourteen consecutive games. That was. a a real bad one. The year that we were number one in offense and number one in defense and still missed the playoffs. Yeah, no, it's, it's tortured to be a Chargers fan. Got that one magical 2013 season.
0: That's just in my mind when I'm thinking about this game. That's just sitting in there. It's like, I know the Chargers are good. I know they have the talent. They have the playmakers. They have all the right things going in their direction, but they're the Chargers. And, and so you trust
1: the team that has not won a playoff game in 20 years and has only played in one in 20 years.
0: Again, I don't trust the Raiders. I don't trust anyone you know this this is real life adulting I, I don't trust no one but um you know I'm just straight here to disagree with you here you're just make hey, like here I said like I said you know? this is
1: the one you should disagree on this is a total coin toss of a game I think the Chargers are three point favorites and they usually say home team road team yeah. swings three points this game is a complete toss-up and one of them is going to get the playoffs and if the Raiders get the playoffs they get to be the sixth seed which is hilarious and yeah. if the Dolphins beat the Patriots they get to be the five seed and that is just stupid that the Raiders have a chance to walk away with the five seed after all of this even though I know they are not good at football
0: 100% agree but 100% agree to disagree basically this entire NFL preview was just you know just you know what let's just go against each other let's just see what happens and you know what yeah if anything it, it makes next week a little bit more interesting as we head into playoff weeks gosh under three hours I guess that's a goal <laughs> this is a good one though. hey
1: there's a lot of clips
0: you know we had some good a b times some Jim Harbaugh talk. We had our previews here. There's a lot of ways we could have went. Your disrespect for you the know Tennessee what? Titans.
1: If, if not in week 18, then when? If we don't do it in the final week of the NFL season for two hours and 10 minutes, then when are we going to do it?
0: You bring up a valid point. Well, way to bring in the new year. Happy new year, folks. 2022. Hopefully, you're setting some big time goals. You know, 2021. Hey, if it wasn't your year, make 2022 your year. Go out there, conquer whatever challenges you set for yourself make goals. Just dream big. You know, you never know what life has for you right around the corner. It's all on you to make it happen. Thank you for tuning in. We appreciate you. If you're listening this long, of course, leave a like on this video if you're watching on YouTube. We have a five star if you're listening on Apple iTunes. Go ahead and drop below in the comment below your game predictions, perhaps. Leave a subscription, closing in on about 60 subscribers away from 2,000 on YouTube, so that's really cool. From Jujitax Sports, Kyle Better. Stay safe, happy, and healthy and we will see See you next time.